What's up to all the sidekicks and hench folk out there in the Geek Nation? My name is Noel. I am not JD, but I will be the host of tonight's Cult Pop Podcast live stream, aka Spoiler Alert, episode 768, where we review last week's comics, not all of them, because that's Herculean and not worth the effort, but just a handful, and then talk about other pop culture things. Um, uh, we are located outside or out of our how about how about our our base of operations? is Johnny Destructo's Hero Complex, located at 4327 Main Street, Philadelphia, PA. A super rad shop, which caters to nerdy and nerd-adjacent individuals. You don't have to be a full nerd. You could be part nerd or slight nerd. Mm. Um, of all shapes and sizes, except jerks. No jerks are allowed in the store. There's signage. It's a whole thing. Wait, what uh, about people who are just not nerds? No, they're, they're they're nice. they, I mean, they absolutely cannot come in. They can't go in. <laughs> I feel like nerd-adjacent kind it's of everyone that. else. Everybody in the world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> you're you're likely very close to, if not proximity, but also emotionally, somebody that has partnered in them. That's true. And if and they walk into the store accidentally, JD could count as that person in proximity. Wise. Yeah, as, that's uh, well, true. Yeah. Uh, what is it? Uh, six feet, but yeah, as long as you're yeah, yeah, yeah. adjacent. <laughs> um, joining me tonight is Brian Lieb. Hi, down there, as well as Rob Patey. AKA Hello. Are we still doing Optimus Douche? Optimus no, douche. we're not, because Optimus Douche hasn't been around for four years now. Now it's just Rob. It's uh, now it's just douche. Ha- now um <laughs> so I used to write for Ain't It Cool News under the handle Optimus Douche, because I knew that would get a hell of a lot more play than Rob Patey. It is a decision I ultimately regretted after about five years when I realized my normal name would suffice and then people at work started finding my articles and going, oh, that's, yeah, that's nice, yeah. And I used to be on the Pop-Tart, the old Pop-Tarts podcast that is now Cult Pop Podcast, yes. So I did that for 10 years. I haven't read any of your old stuff in a long time. Did you, under the pen name of A.D., O.D., um, have a different tone oh yeah i lived up to the name it was my catharsis each week i was sitting at my desk writing for the seven thousandth time the most scalable solutions for your you know for your network architecture (laughs) and i go i'm gonna kill myself if this is all i leave behind on this earth and so I submitted a review to Ain't It Cool News, and they said, yes, we love it. And it started the whole 10-year ride of hmm. cons and comps and uh, ultimately a complete burnout of the medium. I only – which uh, we're going to touch on a little bit. I yeah. only got as far as um, – writing for broken frontier for like three or four years, but that's a yeah. hoity toity. I don't know if anybody's familiar with brokenfrontier.com. Yeah. They actually yeah. still exist. Um, but they exclusively just do like indie comics and European comics. Mm-hmm. Now, when I was yeah. there, we were reviewing all Marvel and DC and stuff and they were like really sinking in, but then it just, it's like, this is our niche. 
if you don't sound like this. Roll with it. I, and you have to. I mean, Ain't It Cool had been around since 1996. So, I mean, anybody who does web marketing out there uh, will know what I'm talking about when you talk about domain authority and page mm-hmm. authority. Ain't It Cool, even though it was a piece of shit site and looked like it had never changed code since 1996. It still does. It's still, the, the rating of it on the internet is so hot that I, I would say I had more followers <laughs> in industry than I had fans. Like, if I look at my Twitter, or it's you know it's it's i still talk to dan video all the time right oh, yeah. I mean, we still we still kind of throw dms back and forth so it was really it was the injury hi jd it was it was you know it was more the industry that paid attention to that site than necessarily the fan base did uh, yeah and i uh, you know what you could probably make a you can make an argument that the industry pays more attention to like bleeding cool than it does cbr right now like yeah, cbr yeah. is is CBR or the kinds of CB like Newsarama, what has yeah. become Newsarama or it's Games Radar Newsarama? It's basically just announcements and press and press releases. Yeah, I mean, I, I was going to say most of the sites at this point now are bought and sold, right? Yeah. And that's what I liked, liked about Ain't It Cool is that Harry didn't really give a shit about us beyond just the value we provided for search. And he really left us alone to our, you know, off to our little niche. That was how we started uh, the podcast was JD was kind of doing his thing with movie reviews at the time. And then we said, let's, you know, bring these two worlds together. JD's podcast prowess along with Ain't It Cool because Ain't It Cool had no multimedia on it at the time. Mm-hmm. It's like this is like 2010. I'm talking about it. It's not like it, multimedia would have been, should have been out of the question. It was just nobody cared. So, you know, we got to have kind of a free reign of things and we didn't have to prostitute our souls like you have to do on CBR and all the rest. I like uh, CBRs though. Brian Cronin's articles, I'm a big fan mm-hmm. of. He's got like comics history and musings. And um, yeah, it's. Uh, it's separate from like, here's what's going on now. It's like, what was the first time this happened? Or, you know, uh, legends revealed, that kind of thing. There's a, it's, kind of I, like, it's kind of like talking to Len. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know what, though? That's just it. Like, I, so I, I spoke broadly. I think that those sites serve a purpose, but the actual like click purpose is basically advertisement yep. for uh, publishers. Mm-hmm. But there's no space really. And it sucks that the, I guess, the best version of the space is filled by bleeding cool there's no space for just real-time um discussion and or uh news like i love the articles about um people hiring and firing at publishers and the hierarchy and the structure and uh initiatives for the whole line i love that stuff that's not covered anywhere else because it's not a marketing push you like you like the business of it yeah i mean it's yeah and that's what we were able to do with the end of cool reviews was you know the editor i I love the editor even still this day we still he just did a podcast with us last night but um he was very lax he was not a very stringent editor he really i mean he just kind of gave us all free reign of publishing you know that's i mean it it was so yeah we would we would throw in the business i mean it was they were half opinion pieces as much as they were here's what happened in the comic because again you get the press releases who gives a Mm -hmm. shit you can just cut and paste what happened in the comic yeah uh, mars comics said that's why uh, we are here. I wow. assume referring to that kind of comics industry discussion. There you go. News there and info. News and info. Oh, wow. yeah. Awesome. Excellent. So that's like it's such a, a hole in your knowledge then. Yeah, we're pretty light on. Yeah. 
news. And no, but I love, though, I love hey, the speculation quiet. too. I, I love it. speculation about like right now, uh, you know, like there's a rumor Jonathan Hickman is going to write something for Marvel, but we don't know what it is. I love the rampant kind of it's it's positive speculation. It's not like who's right. going to get fired and who sucks and who's bullshit. It's literally like a open space where people just talk about all the shit that they're super nerdy about. And I just, I feel like that's missing because on Twitter it's just toxic or on Facebook forums, it's just toxic. Whereas there's no actual like website that just houses this happily. And I miss comments. I'll, I'll say that comments are toxic. And, Fair. you know, yeah. I think that's where I think that's where websites have fell by the wayside is people didn't want that walled garden anymore. They didn't want that moderator and people in or out. Um, yeah. You know, pick the comments that you read. Man. Yeah. Anyway, um, I'm. We'll just we'll just talk. Uh, so the topic sure. uh, we don't have emails this week, um, but those of you that actually want to contribute emails and we will approach them. Uh, email coldpopgo at gmail dot com. Questions, comments, concerns, things you want us to cover, review, talk about. Just, I mean, we're not that difficult. Uh, Christopher, Christopher, good night. Stop leaving snarky comments on my Facebook page and write these guys an email. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Or, You're welcome. or uh, if you could just forward us those snarky uh, comments, and then we'll just go ahead and read them like they're an email. He takes he takes shots at my age all the time. That's our we're little, all yeah. old. Our little banter. I know. Um, I brought it up this past week uh, in our group thread, our group chat, um, about how I am having trouble kind of keeping the thread or staying entertained by a lot. Of, in this instance, it was the DC animated shows and movies i used to binge them have the release dates memorized loved every second of them but now it seems that i can't keep the thread and wane interest and it just kind of dawned on me do i not like this anymore because even when i do sample these shows and see a two or three episodes they're great they're really good i like them but there's no more that that little you know that fire in your belly that makes you really excited for the next episode or the next issue or to finish it doesn't seem to exist anymore and i was wondering if you guys or anybody in the chat or or watching or listening ever experienced that with something uh, a medium uh just like you we go through peaks and valleys when it comes to like as you get older the things that you love and you enjoy whether it's a video games or comic books or tv shows or movies have this happened to you? I know, Rob, you have a very good example. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what do you guys think? Like, what, um, how, how was your experience and how did you get through it, if you even have? Brian, why don't you go first, man? Uh, that has happened to me, surprisingly enough, with uh, comics that even comics that I really like, like uh, The Flash, this most recent Wonder Woman run has been great. And I just will not get to them and I am not driven to get to them. You know what I mean? And then every so often, like the Wonder Woman run um, that I'm not caught up on, but I'll be like, Oh, let me read that. And I'll read three or four issues or whatever. And I'm like, that was good, but I'm not as much like what's, what's happening with Wally West now. (laughs) You know what I mean? As I, as once I was. So, yeah. Yeah. Is it, is there, is there a sense of like, it's satisfying, but maybe it's just empty calories now. And if, if so, that's fine. Sometimes you just want a Twinkie, but 
how do you, I mean, how do you either recapture it or let it go? Cause I mean, you can't sustain yourself on Twinkies. No, right? I can't. I don't even really like Twinkies. <laughs> no, uh, not all right. in, insert poor metaphor here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just wanted to talk about actual Twinkies for a second. I, I, I want to get that out there. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, Let's see. What was the what was the essence of that question again? Oh, I mean, I, how I, do you recap? How do you recapture the magic? Right. How do you, Essentially, how do you, yeah. you know, I guess for me, yeah. it more used to seem like this ongoing world. Um, yeah. <clears throat> and I guess uh, you know, at some point, that stopped being as interesting, or I lost kind of a connection to some of the characters. Uh, whereas before it was always like, well, what's going on? The interplay between them, what will happen to them? You know, that kind of thing. So are you, uh, are you, are you suggesting that it's no longer a place you live so much as a place you visit from time to time? Hmm, intriguing. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm all about shitty metaphors, guys. That was really, po- that was poetic. I mean, that was yeah. beyond just shitty. That was, yeah. Have a good night, everybody. um i'd say it came back a a little bit from uh for me through uh like a plot reason when dc did its recent like let's get back to oh yeah the the everything everything matters of it all yeah um which has not shaken out to be as it never was going to Um, literally everything happened are you you suggesting that when everything matters nothing matters I never really got that phrase, though. Oh, um, when I, I mean, uh, God damn it, I'm nothing but metaphors tonight. Fuck Monday. Um, when you have birthday cake for every single meal, what makes a birthday cake special on your birthday? Like right. it's if it's all the time, it's yeah. normal. I don't know if I don't know if that applies directly to continuity. To continuity, though, that might be a little different. uh, Wait, no, I'll I'll make the case. It's more along the lines of when I don't know what the baseline is. When Mm. everything matters, how do I have any kind of a a, a emotional connection to the base? Like, why would you? Why do I care about the narrative if the narrative is constantly? in real time in flux, right? Yeah, but I don't think that's what, I don't think that's what they meant by everything matters. I think they meant like all of the past events described happened. Yes. Like the various, so it gives you a shaky understanding of what version of Superman this is, or if there even is one version. But But I think ultimately it really hasn't and was never going to turn out that way. It's just like, oh, everything happened. But none of the characters are like, Superman, remember that time that you cut off Lois Lane's oxygen in space? Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> but, they, but they also like to my like, I am cool with that. But they also made it seem as though the fact that all of these things happened, like you're saying, mm-hmm. was going to take part in the ongoing story. And aside from two miniseries that I don't know anyone's talking about, it hasn't. Yeah, I'm even struggling to get through the second one. And I want to read it. I want to know what's what with this universe spanning multiversal thing. But the first one I liked, the second one has been has been rough. Uh, we're referring to Infinite Frontier and Justice League Incarnate. 
Is yeah. It? yeah. Yeah. Now, to be fair, I have not gotten more than halfway through the first episode uh, issue, so it could pick up. I mean, but I have not gotten more than halfway through the first is, issue. Is that so, review enough? Um, yeah. <laughs> but well, like I'm saying, like that kind of story, I'm still drawn to. I still want to know what happens in this. Like, what's the state what of DC? It? You know, what what but, book was it? Um, Justice League. Mm-hmm. Scott Snyder's Justice League. I was the only one reading it. All the large, weird, barely makes sense pomposity of it all. And you guys weren't reading it at all, but you would ask me to what's happening in it. Yeah. And even as I was talking through the broad strokes, it sounded 10 times cooler than experiencing it and reading it. So I feel like maybe with this infinite frontier and justice incarnate, like reading the outline and what comes next is probably going to be more enjoyable than just like going through the process month to month. So I did like infinite frontier and that's why I'm, that's why I do want to pick up with it because it's the same writer um, continuing this story. So I do want to see if it gets, you know, if it gets better. Um, but yeah, I think the way that it, everything matters has gone forward in the story is we are free to tell what seems like the classic version of these stories. And it's mostly the post crisis with a little silver age thrown in, you know, um, is what it's like shaken out to be I, the, you know like dick Grayson is nightwing and but you know like that kind of stuff the only dc that i seem to be enjoying right now is just the black label stuff mm. yeah it's on un, it's unto itself it doesn't you yeah. know you're not yeah you're not bogged you're not bogged down by this clusterfuck of business decisions that they've made over the past decade trying to find relevance DC especially, right? They just, they, I feel oh, like yeah. editorial has gone through so many shakeups in the last five years. It's ridiculous. Yeah. But right now, like I was saying, Oh, like I was saying, like it got me a little more into it. This most recent thing that DC did. And I really feel like they have gotten back to like, these are the DC types of DC comics that I want to read. Um, and all of them have been good. Like even if I'm <laughs> seven issues behind on the flash, it's still like it was really good, and uh, uh, yeah, I think they're they're like nailing it right now, uh, superhero universe wise too. I've been enjoying the miniseries a lot. I, I feel yeah, like yeah. You know, back, Human back Target the, is DC. I was going to say back to yeah. the topic at hand. Um, I have, especially with DC, I still read a good handful of ongoing Marvel titles, but in regards to DC, I was not feeling. Um, fulfilled or entertained on a just like visceral level in regards to almost all of the ongoings. However, a lot of the miniseries, a lot of the black label stuff was scratching that itch. So I just, you just kind of shifted as a consumer as opposed to just let it all go. Uh, Rob though, you did make comics a job and you did experience something like this. How did you get through it? If you're even, I went, I, no, I'm not through it because I mean I've stayed on the I've stayed on the text chain even though I haven't been on the podcast <laughs> on the reg for two years now and I guess I come mewing now and then I'm like Mars Comics mentions in the comics been reading comics since I was eight so yeah sometimes you just need a break and it's the same thing I've been reading them since I was five I did it for Ain't It Cool for ten years and they throw you get a lot of comics thrown at you from the big two and especially from the indies and I was probably like in eight to two each week as far as just reading crap and drudgery and 
just trying to give people a break in some instances, especially with the indie comics. And then there were two that I actually enjoyed. And, you know, our times have completely changed. We now just have this mega glut of entertainment in front of us. If we think back to our youths, we were all we had back then for this level of fantastical brain teasery was comic books, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, video games certainly weren't there. Uh, movies were nil until like Batman 1989. I mean, well, we know, also we got some, to a we point. We had some around there, but. We got to a yeah. point where shows and movies looked like the comics would if they were in real life. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, like, totally. Yeah. CGI. I mean, CGI yeah. changed the game. And and the deluge of it all. If we think about it now, there is not a bit of Star Wars, Marvel, DC geekery that doesn't hit almost weekly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Right. So, I mean, between that and I'm a huge video game nerd. Right. So, I mean, I'll tell you, it was when I was so deep into comics and I was like almost going through it like a drudgery. I'm like, I haven't played this glorious Spider-Man game yet because between my day job and life and everything and comics, I just I haven't I don't have any more hours in the day to actually imbibe this stuff. The other thing of it for me was and I think, Brian, this might relate a little bit to what you were going through, is that that tooth of continuity was gone. And I'm not saying go back to the old times. I'm not going to stand on the lawn and shake my fist. I don't give a shit. You kids like what you like. Um, But I'll say that back in the day, the continuity mattered. And for both companies, they both let that go around 2011, right? I'll say New 52 is definitely the line stand for that. And then Marvel followed suit very shortly with Marvel Now. And nothing mattered anymore, right? It's always, there's always going to be a reboot. There's always going to be a reset. Well, we didn't always live in that world. You know, we did not always have the constant reset. There was a timeline and man, even five years later, there was still a level of permanence to the stories that had been established. And that's just not the case anymore. Now, where I've come back, uh, and it was basically JD mocking me, saying, I'm red, I hate comics. He was right. I'm really, my grievance is with the big two right now um, and how they've managed editorial image, Dark Horse, all of your, you know, Oni, all of your others. That's where I find myself being drawn back into. I um I will uh I'm gonna be uh a neckbeard nerd and just say mm, actually uh, Marvel has never rebooted ever. Marvel now was not a reboot. No, no, they changed a lot of what characters were. They it was like, us who was in the Iron Man role or whatever. it was Secret Wars. So Secret Wars happened and okay. they just like the whole all the worlds and blah, blah, blah. And right, the whole yeah. multiverse was destroyed. And now it's just one prime earth. That was the beginning of Marvel now. So some of the things were different, but then they just ended up adding them all back. So it's, it was like, a everything happened has happened. They never, they, DC is the only one that has like actively tried to pull off a hard reboot multiple times. And then, that, and then I saw this week, we're reading detective number 1048. Fuck you guys. I mean, it's Yeah. Yeah, you 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 did not. You back. You tried it. It imploded in your face. Nobody liked your little waifish emo Superman, and you motherfuckers have just backpedaled since. So, which I think is good, right? Like they, if it's not working, it would be worse to stick with it. 
Yeah. That's, that's I have, I, I have, uh, in the last year I have gone back cause I'm, I'm same way. Like I really was, I was very hopeful about the idea of new 52. It felt cause I was still high on the, uh, on the drug of ultimate Marvel, which was a really, really fun way of reintroducing characters to new audiences. Cause you I want, loved it. I love you. Ultimate. You yeah. want to refresh your audiences. If they're, if they're still yeah. catering to 40 year old me, you're going to die. That's fine. Like bring yep. in new people. That's totally cool. Um, so the idea of, of like the entire universe becoming maybe an ultimate version. Cool. But there was very little in at the time. It felt like there was very little that was actually fresh or new about new 52 because it was all the same art style. It was all the same writers. They were just kind of picking and choosing what they wanted to redo. It just, it was they like wanted edgy. To have, However, they were, there, they wanted to have their cake and eat it too. I'm sorry. Yeah. They wanted to have their cake and eat it too in New Fifty Two. I mean, that's how we had three Robins. I mean, this well, Batman and Green Lantern didn't. He's getting that. Yeah. Batman, yeah, yeah. Batman's getting a new ward every two I mean, years by yeah. this new continuity. He's collecting them like Beanie Babies. Yeah, they, they tried to literally truncate the good and the bad together instead of just recreating like they promised. Yeah. So at the time, I did also drop off, but in the last year, you know recollections and 10th year anniversary and omnibuses and stuff. I've actually gone back without bias and reread and read some of that stuff that I skipped out on. Some of it's actually pretty fun. Like, yeah, some of the new 52 like, was good. It's really like, solid comics. Yeah. Like the, uh, yeah, I Demon read nights was good. I read the justice league 50, 52 omnibus. And yeah. it's as soon as you get past the first arc with all that really rushed Jim Lee art, it's delightful. Yeah. Uh, the Batman run is fucking delightful. The Swamp Thing run is so yeah. fucking good. The Animal Man run Animal is so Man fucking is, good. Oh, that art is amazing. There was that a was lot awesome. of even yeah. even the Flash was really good. Like the when Francis Menopold completely took over uh, art and uh, writing with yeah. Bucoletto. Yeah, there was a lot good. It just sucks that it all got lost underneath the umbrella of this, you know, shiny new Tinker Toy bullshit. And I, I, yeah, I don't have a no, I don't have a point. I just, uh, no, it's all right. It's always nice to go back sometimes and be proven, uh, wrong. It's nice to try and like, uh, you know, wipe off your rose colored glasses sometimes, especially when it comes to stuff like this, that's available still. Yeah. And I mean, I don't think I ever had, I mean, I gave a lot of favorable reviews for individual books in new 52. I think as a construct, it failed. And yeah. I, you know, I don't know how to get the kiddies to give a shit. Right. I mean, I don't know what the answer is for them. So, you know, you got to applaud, I guess, any effort they make. Uh, back to DC, they're probably doing it right when it comes to, they've segmented their lines. Right. Yeah. So not only have they made the main line, um, digestible, like there's still a couple of ongoings, but almost all of their big characters are now either in mini series or in black labels or have been yeah. renumbered or titled something different. So it's easily, it's easily chunkable, but then also like they're cranking out YA books, like nobody's yeah. business. Yeah, yeah. Like just YA graphic novels constantly to try and grab younger readers, which sell just as good in the shop as detective comics, 1048. They probably see that yeah. they probably see that the issue model, like people are transitioning, like older readers are transitioning to trades, maybe not as in, in great a number, but they're probably seeing that as being like, why go after 
the um, why go after them for issues? The the younger kids try, yeah. try to get them interested in in trades, and eventually maybe the issues will go away completely. You know, in mm-hmm. decades. That's and that's I mean that's what this has been evolving to for shit the better part of twenty years. When you started mm-hmm. to see five part series, they were clearly being mm-hmm. built for the trade pacing. Right. I mean, that's, uh, you know, as soon as your Amazon and your online distributors came into effect, they realized it's an easier way to push the books. So, I mean, you started to see the writers writing the individual issues for the trade distribution. And I've got to say, from a dollar's perspective, I looked at what I was spending every month on comic books and I'm going for four dollars. I'm getting about 10 minutes of entertainment. Right. So for me, I I just I go through them too quickly. And not all people read like this. Right. Mm -hmm. There are your people that are far more pensive than I am and, you know, absorb the page a lot more. And that's that's perfect for the individual issues. But for me, for what I was spending, I was like, yeah, trades, you just get a more complete diet. You're paying the same amount of money ultimately, but you're just mm-hmm. getting a more complete diet from that sit down of that read. Also, it's like, uh, unfortunately, you've for a decade, you conditioned yourself to plow through as many as possible in a given week. That's true. That does true. that does fuck with your readership. Like, um, does, I yeah. have I have had to consciously read things differently that aren't we're not doing for the show so like i have you know larger collections i used to sit through and try and push through like 15 20 issues at a time and now i explicitly only read like a chapter and then grab another book if i want to keep reading because you there's the binging mentality when it comes to 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 reading comics i mean if you're in love with a story and you just kind of keep falling forward into it that's great but I'm on Facebook groups and, and, and stuff with all these guys and gals who will buy an omnibus and like, I read it in three days. I'm like, did you eat? I mean, you spent $125 on a fucking book. Sit with it. Like, yeah, yeah there's no award, reward yeah, for doing it. You don't this, get a yeah. no prize for, for reading it first. Relax. Um, yeah, well, and you're also you're right. You're also reading it with the, you know the worst way to do a conversation is to be listening to someone with your response in mind, and I'm pretty bad at that. I'm guilty of it. So I'm always <laughs> trying to be conscious of it. And you're doing the same thing with the comic books: is you're reading the book with what your thousand eleven hundred to twelve hundred word response is going to be in mind, right? Mm-hmm. So you're you're almost you know you're you're calculating the article while you're reading. That's another muscle memory I got to kind of mm-hmm. turn off when I'm. Yeah, because I do it for work. I do it for work all day, too. Right. I mean, I've got to sit through 150 white papers for technology stuff and think about how I'm going to craft them and make them better. So like that's you're not really enjoying the read. You're thinking about what the next step is going to be while you're absorbing material. That's funny. What I find when I read something out loud, like if I'm, you know, reading uh, like public speaking or whatever, um, I don't process what it actually says nearly as well mm. as if I am, you know, yeah. as if I was reading it. Like, that makes if sense. I'm, yeah. yeah. Like I'm much more focused on putting it out, speaking into the world and crafting that. And I'm not absorbing the information as much. Yeah. And I always have to put my finger under each word as I go along and mouth it. <laughs> that's, that's normal. Right? Yeah. That's, I'm smart. Right. It's normal for, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for hey, simple rob it's normal yeah like professionally i it's the uh it's funny you say that because like professionally i have to read 
uh, you know, you write it all out, but then before handing it over whatsoever, literally out loud alone, reading it out loud. Because yeah, I do it. I do it. We, mm. we, we write not how we sound and or think. So, yeah. like, it looks great on the page. But if I read it out loud, it sounds like a fucking robot. Just <laughs> well, that's what I that's shit. what I do with yeah. That's what I do with half of my edits, and what I'm always telling yeah. my people is, do you say the word provides when you're speaking to somebody, or do you say offers or gives or something like that? Right? Exactly. Let's, yeah, we've got to make everything natural language these days. I often find if I'm writing something, and you know, I you know, editing, you read it to yourself. Sometimes I'll get to a sentence and I will put, I, when I'm reading it back, I'll put a word in, right? Or take it out that, yeah. um, I can't think of any examples, but it, you know, if you put like with which or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. that, that's a bit of a big word for it to be. And then if I do that a couple of times, I'm like, that word should probably be in there. I should write that word in there because I keep trying to say it as, say a, it, yeah. Yeah, I, as I'm editing it. I, I mean, like, let's have a let's have a writing podcast. Um, I'm yeah. such an asshole about ending with prepositions um, to, oh, the yeah. point where, to the point like where to. I no, I, I <laughs> as a, as a writer, I despise it. So not only do I try and speak as though I'm not ending words or sentences with prepositions, but I will restructure entire sentences and paragraphs to avoid it, <laughs> including using active voice versus passive voice. I oh, I want to I want to rip when people start every paragraph with passive voice. I want to rip their throats out, show them their throats, put it back, and then have them rewrite it in active voice yeah. because you're an asshole. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> anyway. that's that's the that's the biggest sin, especially in business to business. It happens all the time. Oh, it's so awful. It's like uh, it's awful. Yeah. uh like for twelve years now. Uh, blah 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 has done this like no no no. blah 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 has done this for 12 years relax 12 like years. active yeah. voice you asshole <clears throat> anyway what speaking of active would you guys like to review some comic books let's do it only if it's active only for speaking of active assholes <laughs> <laughs> i didn't read that one <laughs> oh so, yeah you must be on different dropbox active <laughs> <laughs> the first the first book we're going to talk about tonight is <laughs> Justice League versus Legion of Superheroes, number one by DC Comics, written by Brian Michael Bendis with art by Scott Godlewski. Uh, solicitations are as follows. 1,000 years in the future, a legion of superheroes comes together to dedicate their lives to recapturing the great age of heroes of the 21st century. When the heroes discover that reality is failing to a great dark falling. Oh, shit. Falling to a great darkness. This is where I didn't read it out loud, guys. Falling to a great yeah. darkness in both times simultaneously, the Justice League and the Legion of Superheroes must team up to stop it. But what is the connection between the secrets of the new Gold Lanterns and the coming of the Great Darkness? A monumental DC epic event miniseries starts now. So I um, am not a storied Legion reader. Uh, I yeah. I have started and read uh, five years later. I'm about 15 issues into it. It's uh, very intricate, very dry. All nine panels. It's it's a it's a chore, but it's still an enjoyable. I did read uh, Bendis's reboot of the Legion. 
that happened in 2020, 2019, 2020, somewhere in there. Uh, Beautiful art by Ryan Sook lasted 14 or 15 issues, capped up pretty well. Um, I found it enjoyable. It was interesting. It was cute. Um, It was slight, but also had a little bit of grit. Um, This is just a continuation of that run for the most part. And I dug it. But I think I was predisposed to digging it because I had read the 15 issues before and really enjoyed it. Uh, I very much enjoyed this version of Superman slash Jonathan Kent. I really, really like um, I just like his Legion. Uh, I I know that they're all rehashes of previous characters with slight tweaks on continuity, but I dig them. I also dig the frenetic nature of this book. Uh, This is how he wrote the Legion before. It's just a shit ton of 30 people in a room talking over each other, which is very, it's, I, if, if anyone's going to complain about it, I don't disagree with you, but, <laughs> but yeah. I kind of enjoyed it. Um, I, I enjoy the, I think in this book, especially there's a double page splash with literally all the, the Legion that chose to travel and then the justice league all talking over a table and, you could go left to right across. You could actually go up and down and it didn't necessarily issue. It didn't. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't actually matter because there was no real correct order to read it in. Yeah. yeah. But I know that a lot of people may find that frustrating, but to me, I found that slightly charming. Um, the art's not that great. It, um, I am not a giant fan of Scott Godlewski. Um, and I think only so much as I'm comparing him in my head to Ryan Sook because that's who covered these characters last and they are not comparable. They are very different. They're not dissimilar um, styles though. Like I could see how you would look at this and you're like, it's like Ryan Sook, but not as well. It's done. like, you know what I it's mean? like a, it's like a cartoon adaptation of Ryan Sook. Yeah. 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 There's uh, Ryan Sook really does give um, more humanistic facial features and acting uh, almost closer to Kevin Maguire than Godlewski ever would. Like, it's almost like if uh, they infused Ryan Suck with some um, <laughs> uh, oming. And that's what mm, Godlewski Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But I, overall, I think I would give this a like a B plus, but I would be hard pressed to recommend it to literally anyone to jump in because it is seeped in like three different recognizable continuities. And if you're not into any of them then why would you bother what did you guys think uh brian um i like this book i don't like this legion as much as i want to you know Mm -hmm. like i was excited that they were back i'm like this is cool i i just they don't ring as the legion that i want to be reading as much you know like a lot of the costume designs I'm not too into. And yeah. I love um, the costume designs. I thought you were going to so talk about like versions of characters, but there's the costumes that, I actually not like. Too much. Right. Um, some of the costumes I like a lot, like Saturn girl's costume is pretty cool. Um, there's uh yeah. Some of them I like, I think it's just triplicate girl and cosmic boy, maybe that I'm not as into. Um, but uh, just in general, I think, I don't think Brian Michael Bendis writes what feels like DC to me, right. you know? Um, 
it just for I don't know exactly why it's like the things that he brings to it don't seem like core DC. They seem like can I? I don't know. Can I? He seems that? almost he seems almost bored. Well, I was going to say, can I challenge that? Is that yeah, yeah? And and this is for all three of us. Is that our baggage with him and his style, or is that house styles? And can we articulate it? So, like, what would you say is indicative of DC slash Legion prior that isn't captured by him exclusively? Like, let's put words to it. So I would say that for me, those are two different things. I am growing weary of his style in general, right? Like that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Just like the way that he has, like, he was great for Amazing Spider-Man, or uh, Ultimate Spider-Man. And these people talk kind of like Batman saying, uh, I'm sorry I have to move this along, but I have a million things to attend to this month. That doesn't sound like Batman, you know? Yeah. Batman has a million things to attend to this month. It just doesn't ring Bruce Wayne to me. Um, And just the way that he has people kind of talk to each other, um, don't feel like the individual kind of characterizations that have sprung up over the years, specifically with the Legion. Um, I don't know. Some of the things, well, a little thing he refers to the area that they're in as the galactic, right? Which is like a play on galaxy and it's supposed to be futury. I don't like it that much. <laughs> Just, uh, I don't remember what what's weird. That. What's what's very weird though is you let off this review with. I kind of like this book. I did. All that being said, <laughs> um, I did. Uh, yeah. uh, absolute trash, shit, yeah. garbage, stupid. Everyone sucks. B plus. Other yeah. other yeah. than yeah. that, how is the flame? <laughs> other than that, how is the play, Mrs. Lincoln? Yeah. Um, you know, I've yeah, seen... but no. How was your time though? Did you enjoy it though? Like, how was yeah, it? Yeah, I did enjoy it. Uh, <laughs> I thought overall, I was like, man, this isn't really the Legion that I want to see, but this story is, is all right. You know, we'll, we'll see where it goes. Uh, Legion meeting the justice league. I'm into that. Um, I, you know, maybe at some point people will reboot the Legion again <laughs> or just, uh, I, I mean, yeah, they will. <laughs> they will like, cause they you will. know, the, the curve of the universe bends towards reboot, but, um, <laughs> Um, uh, not for a while, especially if, um, if like rumors are true that they're developing a, uh, animated show based uh, off of this version awesome. of the Legion, this yeah. version of the Legion. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't even have to be a reboot. <clears throat> a few years go by, there's a different writer, different looks for everybody. And these storylines are all in the past. You know what I mean? Um, I <laughs> like the Daxamites not being... Daxamites anymore. Monel is Superboy's descendant. Yeah, he's a he's a Kryptonian. Yeah, I thought the Daxamites were cool. I don't. They yeah. haven't gotten rid of Daxamites. They've just changed Monel's. Monel specifically. Yeah. Yeah. Daxamites aren't gone. It's just. Oh, that's good. 
He is a descendant of the House of El now. Yeah. yeah, maybe he's. You know what? We don't know enough at this point. He might be half yeah. Daxamite for all we know. But he's, he's also just, from the 31st century, right? He's yeah, not he's, like from he's, now and trapped in the Phantom Zone for a thousand years. The entire, the entire, like spoilers, the entire 15 <laughs> issue Bendis run, he is acting like a little bit of a twerp and yeah, yeah. very standoffish when Jonathan Ken comes around because you find out towards the end his entire life hanging over his head has been the greatness of the house of L and he's a part of it. And now he's face to face with, and he's just like, why can't I just be my fucking self? Yeah, that's not Monel, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, that's Bendis's Monel, I guess, you know, his, his version, but it's an interesting idea for sure. Uh, I, but, yeah. Eh, all right. I mean, I, I, I've read Monel and I, I don't know. I, that's not Monel. I don't not like you saying it doesn't bother me, but if I was having a conversation with somebody else that I don't know where they're coming from and just says, let's not them like, yeah, that's not good enough. Um, It is a completely different character um, who is also named Monel and has similar superpowers. Um, But uh, I also see where you're coming from that when people are like, this isn't this hero you know well i mean maybe we'll talk about it a little later like i had a conversation with somebody in the shop and we're talking about peacemaker they were like well i didn't like it it's not peacemaker like Hmm. who cares like you you eliminate yourself from ever enjoying it because it's just only your myopic version of how it could be and i know that's not what you're saying in regards to monel yes they completely (laughs) changed the makeup of the character but i like i think i was just triggered by the no, that's phrasing. Fine. Yeah. yeah, no, and, and it's not a phrase that I would normally say mm-hmm. um, because whatever version of the character you say, like you write a story about, is a version of that character. Like his character <laughs> is Monel Hashtag in not, this version. You not know? my Monel. <laughs> Rob, 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 what did you think of this uh, glorious A plus of a book? I think both Brian and I are in agreement. This was the best thing that we've ever read. Even though you guys couldn't find one complimentary <laughs> thing to say about it, I yeah. said so many complimentary um, things. You, you you had some compliments, yes. Um, okay, so let's start off with <laughs> verse Justice League verse Legion of Superheroes. I saw no versing. Yeah, they haven't oh, yeah, they haven't gotten to that. I guess it was a lot of just hey, who are you? And hey, you're you. And I read about you yeah. once. And, and what are you? What is it? And maybe in issue three, they're going to like, no, I don't want to do it that way. And then Batman's going to be like, no, no, no we're doing it this way. And then Except he'll say it really awkwardly. Yeah. <laughs> he'll say it like the. Uh, oh, no, <laughs> this shall be the way we do it. In this time. <laughs> Batman, you know what? This is he, the way we're going to do it. We're going to do Bendis, it this way. Yeah. Bendis has <laughs> not written Batman like he, he, re- he wrote Batman Universe, which is. Oh, that's um, great. A fucking masterpiece. Really, really good. Yeah. But he has not written Batman like any other version, hmm. except that, like he's only written it like that version this whole time. Like that was a daylight Batman, and yeah, he's yeah. never changed oh. as he goes. But anyway, Rob, I cut you off. What did you think no, of this glorious book? That's, yeah, no, I'll just I'll be the one who actually admits I don't like this. Um, <laughs> I haven't read a Justice League book in two years. Um, the last Legion I was really into was the Legion that was an acronym back in '89. Oh, it was so good by Tony Bedard. Yeah. Uh, Wait, no, yeah, yeah, that was so good. Yeah, Legion Legion '89. Um, 
I did read a little bit of the one that Christopher Goodnight mentioned that there was uh, one that came out around uh, the Green Lantern Rebirth time, and that was that was, was that the Mark Wade Barry well. Kitson. I think so. Yeah, That's, those so, costumes was that. Oh, they were, yeah. but not that was. I think maybe I don't know. It's up there in my Legion runs. That was a really good run. Yeah. I yeah. never read that one. I read um, Legion acronym early yeah. 2000s by Tony Bedard and it was Brainiac 19 and he was an asshole. Um, and I read some of the Paul Levitt stuff mm. from new 52. I actually have it on the shelf. Mm. Yeah. And I mean, all that stuff was great. I, just, I, 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 having walked into this cold, I was left with a malaise. I couldn't believe it was a Bendis book because I didn't really chuckle once. There's always a moment in a Bendis mm. book where I will chuckle. I will smirk. He does some nice fun wordplay or something. I just, I got none of that. And let me make sure the antagonist in all of this is darkness. Well, there's that Legion, you know, the great darkness saga, which he is definitively referencing. But, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But well, I, I never read the dark, uh, the great dark. Neither did I. Time. I don't remember. I don't think it yet. involves actual darkness coming out. A little more what metaphorical. But I was going to say, what is it in reference to? Um, the only Legion that I've read is what we had already discussed. I started five years later. Um, but, but then I also the the Jeff Johns George per- Perez um, Final Crisis mini yeah, Legion, Legion of Three, Three Worlds. Worlds. Yeah. yeah, that was yeah. good. Yeah. So as far as I'm concerned, they only have one bad guy and it's the time guy, the, the, the time trapper Thank who you. is actually turns out to be various people. Uh, and it's like something with manipulating time, like Superboy Prime was the time trapper. Cosmic yeah. Boy was the time. So trapper. when they, <laughs> but like to, to my point, when they drop these like deep in the weeds, uh, Legion nuggets of like, you know, it's like when you have a villain reveal at the end of an issue and you're like, I don't know the fuck that is. Yeah, yeah, it's it's exactly <laughs> like 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 I I know that this is the part of the book that's supposed to surprise me, but I don't I don't know who that is. Yeah, so I when mean, they make reference, yeah, everything we've talked about has come with a pre-context of knowledge. Again, mm-hmm. coming back into all of this cold is very interesting for me because it's you know I've forgotten a lot of this stuff and I haven't been following the recent events, so I could consider myself like a newbie walking into the store for the first time, going. Ooh, what's this book? Legion Justice League versus Legion number one. I wouldn't come back for number two. This is um had I known you were gonna be on the show earlier than this afternoon, I probably yeah. would have picked the books we're gonna talk about differently. That's all right. No, this is a number because one it, issue. This is not it, on it you, is. Noel. This is yeah. DC. This is on DC. It's a number one. But I think later on it'd be like, eh, I probably should have dropped something else in the Dropbox too, or the number one also. Um, I mean, I but, think it's a marquee book, it mm-hmm. just, you know, in in scope and characters and that kind of thing. And it and is reasonable to talk about um, the Great Darkness Saga, I believe, was when Darkseid reappears and science had gotten so advanced that it was well beyond people's understanding. And that lack of knowing allowed magic to come back into the universe. Uh, oh, that, I always thought it was a really cool you know, idea. Yeah. I, cool. I did yeah. appreciate the um, uh, aggressive use of of Kirby Crackle in this issue, in the back, especially the last yeah. page. Yeah, it's it's literally everywhere. It's um, it was a a very kind of um, elegant way of showing distortion on a static page. Hmm. I liked mm-hmm. it. 
Um, but overall, yeah, this is a, this. It's hard to drop this in, drop somebody in on this uh, cold. It does read like you know to Bendis's weak points. It does read like a lot of his first issues of events. It's a shit ton of setup and not a very climactic last page. Like the Why first issue of, of Secret Invasion really wasn't that great. The first issue of House of M just ended with like a blank page. You're like, what the fuck is happening? Like <laughs> his first issues of events really aren't that great in hindsight. I felt something with House of M. I don't know. I, 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 there felt, was a blank. Yeah. I felt confusion yeah. because it was just blank. If I was to get and and the context of it was if you just read House of M number one without having read Disassembled or the first arc of New Avengers, mm. would you have felt the same way as you did reading this? Because the context of that entire setup was based off of 20 issues of something else. Was the blank page the, the, hard to say. Was at the end of the first issue where the new reality came into yeah. existence? Yeah, yeah. Okay. like it, it just, it like, you know, they go yeah. and confront her and all shit goes awry and it's just right, right. white and Wolverine wakes up. Yeah. I remember being oh. grabbed by that. I don't think I read disassembled actually. Um, but mm. I was aware of what was happening, you know? So that's a little different. Now I'm interested in the gold lantern and I have been for the last that's two years. What, what is the difference between a gold lantern and a yellow lantern? Like we don't well, know. Presumably yet. there is okay. some difference. Well, cause um, he, the gold lantern showed up, a little bit like two years ago and it never got to him. Um, I think it was only in, it was only in Legion. Yeah. It's the future version of the lanterns. It was a, a mystery seated that we don't know what happened to the green lanterns, which has neither always does, been, neither does this gold lantern. Yeah, yeah. He does not know anything yeah. about Oa or the green. So apparently the underlining, I mean, it's apparent in this book, but the whole underlying arc or Here's what I found. theme of this whole thing is that we're going to find out what the fuck a gold lantern is. Yeah, and, they've been. I yeah. thought we were going to find it out like a, a while ago, and I'm happy to find this out. Like, I want to know what the deal is. That has always been the case with the Legion because they started telling these stories. They were set a thousand years in the future. They didn't think about representing Green Lantern at that time. And then over the decades, the mythos grew and the Lantern Corps had been around for billions of years, but never showed up in the future. Um, so every now and then something, you know, there, I think in the Levitt's kind of given like time, there was uh, one or two, maybe like the last of the Green Lanterns, like they found a ring or something like that. Like, so there's little hints of it now and then. Sodom Yacht became a green the green lantern of a thousand years from now in the last kind of you know that kind of thing so i'm curious to see what what happened this time <laughs> to the green lantern core and what's the deal with the gold lanterns well it sounds like two or three of us might try issue two oh, okay. uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, i won't i absolutely won't <laughs> so then the next book we're going to talk about is as 180 of a twist as we can get uh, it is Rain number one uh, by Image Comics. It's uh, based on a story written by Joe Hill, but the actual comic was adapted by David Boomer, Boer, sorry, with art by Zoe Thorogood. Um, solicitations are as follows. On a seemingly normal August day in Boulder, Colorado, the skies are clear and Honeysuckle Speck couldn't be happier. That's her name, Honeysuckle Speck. She's finally moving in with her girlfriend, Yolanda. 
but their world is literally torn apart when dark clouds roll in and release a downpour of nails, splinters of bright crystal that shred the skin of anyone not safely undercover. Rain makes vivid this escalating apocalyptic event as the deluge of nails spreads across the country and around the world, threatening everything young lovers, Honeysuckle and Yolanda hold dear. Um, uh, I had not read the original short story. This is based on by Joe Hill. So I was going, all I knew is that it was about um, shards of glass coming from the sky. Um, this issue was brutal. Uh, I thought it was effective. I thought it was tragic. I thought it was disturbing. And I, <laughs> I liked it. Uh, <laughs> um, it was, it's, it's, this was hard to read, but also very engrossing, which I think is a trait of Joe Hill's work often, like can't turn away. It's really, it's really disturbing, but still engaging. And I think the adaptation kind of nailed that. The art sometimes is a little rough, but it's still tonally consistent. So I forgive facial expressions here and there um, or body proportions here and there. I dug it. Um, I don't know if I'm going to read this in issues, but it might be something that I pick up and trade down the road um, because I think it was pretty impressive. Uh, what did you guys think, Rob? Yeah, I Joe Hill can do no wrong for me. I mean, there's just not there hasn't been anything this guy's written that I just haven't loved. My favorite probably being the Cape. That's still probably the one that just always sticks with me. It makes me kind of ooh shudder a little bit. This is great, and I think you know, I don't think I have anything really much to add beyond what you hit. And all it's just it was you know great story, great characters, the, the setup of them and their love and then the ultimate loss that comes from this storm of needles whatever the hell it is i was so into it i wanted more though right you know so if i'm yeah. talking about the price of entry if i'm talking about it was over far too quickly so absolutely what i will look for when it gets to be the trade realm but it was yeah it was fantastic what about you? i think um yeah rob possibly uh, one of the reasons for you saying that you wanted more of it is how long it took in the beginning to get to the thing yeah. that happens. Right. Sure. And, and I felt that too. So I'll say, um, this, was, this was a really well done book and the art is great. And I did not enjoy reading it. You know, I was like, man, this is about to be terrible. I'm not a hundred percent sure Yolanda's going to die. It's a lot of bad stuff's about to happen and um, and it keeps not happening. And I'm like, come on, you want to get inside, you know, <laughs> this thing's about to happen. You can see it's going to rain. Um, but most and, people, uh, when it's going to rain, you don't immediately run for the house. I mean, yeah, you got a couple rain, minutes. You know? I mean, yeah. Like oh, yeah. if I, if <laughs> I get a couple <laughs> jobs, but yeah. like, if no, I get fine. a couple jobs, usually it's fine. Gonna, yeah. It's not a big deal. But uh, and she seems great, right? Their their love is great, and it mm -hmm. seems so halcyon in art in the beginning. And I didn't know that this was what was going to happen. You know, I didn't figure out till a few pages in that this was not like a metaphor on the cover. Well, half of it is, but uh, <laughs> the, uh, I thought you know I was like, what's the deal with this? It looks kind of like something abstract supernatural perhaps or whatever uh so as i was reading it i was like oh man um i uh you know i 
felt what he wanted me to feel, I suppose. I just wasn't into it. I don't want to read it. You know, I'm like, ah, oh, I don't want to see other yeah. people get pierced by these things. Also, what is the second issue, right? Like, is this the world after this has happened? Because that I'm not interested in at all. Is it other stories of people when this happened? Um, I don't know. Depending on the story, you know, who knows? Um, I don't know. But yeah, like I feel uh, sad about this woman, uh, you know, this relationship, this end of this relationship. But. There were some choices in the art that I found effective, uh, not enjoyable, but incredibly mm. effective. Like, and not even talking about Yolanda so much as, you know, like the, the last scene with her, but um, some of the side characters, how like you would get a random panel of, you know, Yolanda's mother doing this as you normally mm. would, but then right. shunk, 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 like, yeah, yeah. I heard those noises when mm. I was reading it because it was so like the art and the pacing were just so effective. Yeah. Um, you're right. This was not enjoyable to read, but it, it was a really strong read. Yeah. yeah. The, the art also is the kind of art that is often found in these sort of magical realism kind of stories, yeah. or it reminds me a little bit of um, the many deaths of Layla star or yeah. uh, karma. I think it was called, do you remember that Carmen. one? It was Carmen. Carmen. That's yeah. right. Uh, that kind of thing where it's this, um, it has this kind of like otherworldly, real, real, but realistic quality to it. it uh, I like to call it, or I like to think of it as like a rubbery version of Frank Quietly. Yeah, I can see that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, gives yeah. Me, it gives me very much like stretched a, out. It's like a Paper Girls vibe was what I bit. was getting from that. Yeah. And a lot of times that art is used to tell, uh, well, stories that are not unlike this, but don't aren't necessarily um, about like real. anguish and horror, you know, that are, well, yeah, either real, but, or have, you know, these fantastic elements as well. Um, so it, like, if we look at the cover, it's, uh, you know, this kind of, I don't know, very, very supernatural kind of, Especially, anyway, um, yeah, I didn't know what I was getting into when I read it. It could have gone a variety of ways, um, but you know, well done. The way that they do the um, what's her name? I forget the woman who dies. Uh, Yolanda. Uh, Yolanda. Um, the way that they do her dress on the front, this like Klimt esque uh, kind of thing. Um, yeah, I'd like to see this artist do something else. In a similar vein, <laughs> <laughs> there is there is ab there's absolutely no way Yolanda's mother's car could actually drive in the real world. I don't know if you guys noticed that. Like the the tires on it are are. I did not. Forty five degree angle. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, magical realism, whatever. Like that's I think what it's an experimental <laughs> gadget car, and it's just I think it's in mid transformation. The, I think it's the pacer, yeah. It's something from the seventies. <laughs> um, I I don't know if there's much more to add uh, to this one. I it's a strong read. If you are familiar with the kind of stories that Joe Hill tells, the tragic nature of some sometimes that they they delve into, this is yeah, you'll you'll enjoy this. You'll dig it. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other the next book we're going to talk about uh, is King of Spies number two by Image Comics, with uh, written by Mark Millar Miller. Uh, with art by the great Matteo Scalera. We covered the first issue, and I think 
I, uh, Brian, remind me, but I think all of us were surprised how much we enjoyed it. Like, I think you're right. Yeah, it was it was super edge lordy, and then all of a sudden, it turned it into like up. really fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which we'll talk about with Rob. Let me read the solicitation first, though. Um, the world's greatest secret agent is murdering every crooked politician and spy master he blames for the world we're in right now. A killing spree that takes him to the pres- to presidents and prime ministers in a race against the brain tumor that's killing him. He's literally the world's most wanted man and only the person he loves can take him down. So the first issue, Mark Miller exists in this space between fucking stop and yeah, give me more of that. And at any given moment, he shifts from one to the other because there are some things of his that I read that it's just like, fucking stop. Like, this balls to the wall, edge lordy bullshit just doesn't work anymore. It's no longer 1999. Tell a different story. But then sometimes he'll hit and it's just nigh brilliant. So, like, it's the difference between um, Chrononauts, which is just like two, two, uh, Two broskies being time back to the future esque and just getting laid everywhere. They're, to, they're, time, they're time douches. Yeah. Yeah. To Starlight, which is a fucking masterpiece. Um, and the same dude does both. So the first issue, the the opening action scene, almost like, you know, uh, uh, a cold open for a Bond movie is so goddamn ridiculous. Like jumping off of a, like he cut the cord of a, of a, a woman that just gave birth with his Walter PPK and jumped off the side of a building with a baby. And like, it's just, and, and making sexist jokes left and right the whole time. And it's just like, Oh, is this going to be the whole book? And then it fast forwards like 35 years. And he's just like uh, a distinguished gentleman who hits a turning point And now is just taking out, the entirety of his uh, list of people he know are terrible. And it just was really, really effective at the end, even though it's an incredibly, I don't, I can't think of this plot point being used. I can't think of a good example, but it feels like a plot point that is used constantly. I've only got so much time left and I'm going to clear the deck before I die. Breaking bad. Yeah. That's a good example of it. Whereas, you know, he's on time. Like, He's got a ticking clock, so we're going to do all this as uh, quick and dirty as possible. The second issue was more, for me, was more of the good that I liked from the first. And when they introduced the Sun character very briefly in the first issue, you knew it was going to be a thing. Uh, And then bringing it in very quickly here was slick. I liked it. I love Mateo Scalera. I know that his art is... Um, an acquired taste um, but I love I love it I love the kinetic wavy nature of it sometimes like not unlike animated where if figures are still it's very detailed and it's exaggerated but it's there but as soon as motion happens it gets messy it gets loose uh, and to me that helps with the progression in panels Um so yeah, I, I I really enjoyed this. Uh, this is a uh, this is so far in the for me in the Mark Miller buy it pile and not in the Mark Miller skip it pile. What did you guys think, Rob? 
Um, I was not lost coming into issue number two, which I think is a real testament to what, you know, the way he sets a story, nor was I bored or felt like there was a deluge of exposition that was thrown at me to get me up to speed for what issue two was. I'm in the same place in Millar. Sometimes it's it's a home run. Sometimes it's a ground ball. I think I like a little bit more of this stuff because I can handle those douche characters as long as there's some kind of counterbalance within the book, which he always does a good job throwing in some ancillary character to be that voice of reason, right? So mm-hmm. I, I, what I liked most about this, it wasn't um, his traditional gimmicky way of saying, I'm going to take a comic thing and I'm going to twist it, right? I mean, this feels like he's really kind of creating his own original story. What I found most interesting was it was Mark Millar for Netflix on the front cover. Isn't that? No, oh, really? I it's, been, that. it's been for a yeah. while. Yeah. Yeah, but when are when is this shit going to come out on Netflix? Like, you know, we've been I, waiting for. It's I, I mean, yeah, we'll we'll get to that. Uh, All right. Ryan, what did you think of the book? Because that's like a, a separate conversation about his yeah. output. Um, I liked it. Yeah, it was more of the same. Uh, uh, he's got his his list of people, and now he is taking them out. You know, it's not. Uh, I'm going to go take out those people. Um, and yeah, it's interesting. He continues to be a compelling character. Um, and it's fun seeing him enact these, uh, you know, these plans with the, it's a, it's a good, like very skilled spy kind of mm-hmm. uh, story and, and beats that kind of thing. Um, and it's fun to see the, uh, the extraordinary, in comics like this, right? Like the guy who's like, I'm going to go take out two prime ministers because they did all these things doing the, in, even in the context of the story, doing the kind of thing that never happens, you know, mm-hmm. um, that he's like, I'm actually going to do it. I can, and I'm going to do it. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I was, I was also surprised how it escalates. So mm-hmm. uh, Mark, what he does well is he does think like he's, he doesn't waste time. This is only a four issue miniseries. Hmm. And in issue two, we're talking about taking out two prime ministers and he takes out the president of the United States and the rest of the cabinet. Like for other stories, I feel like that's the culmination that's thwarted, not necessarily. Oh, it's the opening of issue two. Like he's just going like there's a, there's a speed, there's a reckless speed that he never truly loses control of that. I think is really impressive. Well, because I think he, the character, may win by the end of it. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 We'll see. Um, yeah, he, I mean, he's going to die a peaceful death. I think he's going to make it. He's yeah. going to take out all the bad people he wants to take out. Yeah. I love how Malara is also, he, he, he doesn't shy away from timeliness. Um, I think there was like at one point in the book where he kills basically Prince Andrew. Yes. Yes. There was yeah. a, yeah, definitely. Um, there was that. I feel like there was at least one other one other uh, person who was not named, but very, Oh, they, they talked about um, Diana as well. Oh yeah. This guy was, yeah. And I feel like the president was probably George W. Bush. Bush. Um, Yeah. 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 Like he, he wasn't, yeah, it was, it was, it was essentially Bush, but um, the puppet, the puppet president. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was, yeah. Who started a war. I don't know that he started it, but it, <laughs> it certainly kept it running. It, um, 
in regards to the by Netflix thing, like Miller World is owned by Netflix. Everything that he creates is potential IP for Netflix. Okay. So he's making these comics. Some of them will become something. Some of them will just be IP owned and never turn into anything. Jupiter's Legacy was a decent TV show that was canceled after one season. Mm, it was okay. It was decent. Like it was um decent. It was all right. Yeah. We watched it. It's it was one of those things that we watched during pandemic that was just like falling forward. The next episode kept starting mm-hmm. and we were like, this yeah. doesn't suck. Mm-hmm. But right. it was never if I had to wait week to week, then it probably would have been like, oh, that's still on. Hmm. Oh, OK. Yeah. Um, so it actually is created uh, by Mark Millar at Netflix. At yeah. Netflix. Yeah. 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 He's an interesting distinction. He is yeah. effectively owned. And that is like his home. So like at mm. Netflix is the same thing as by DC comics. Yeah. Mm. Their publisher is just the place that they get it printed, but it's all owned in perpetuity by Netflix. Hmm. Although it's also published by image. Yeah. That's yeah. just and the place. Yeah. The image is not a. Right. It's not the same. Well, it's image is not a multimedia house. Yeah. No image is not. Image is not ever going to make, they don't have a production studio. It's they a creator owned house. Together. That's it. I mean, yeah. presumably Netflix was like, hey, the people that already own comics are kind of looking at those as test runs and storyboards. Yeah. What if we did some market research in the same way rather, you know, and yeah. come at it from the other direction? Sure. Yeah. yeah. And I think the the other things that he has. In, so he's not allowed to anything that's been developed already is not allowed to be owned by Netflix as part of the deal. So Kings Kingsman Everything. and Kick-Ass not touchable mm. nemesis i think went back to them because it was never produced by universal because universal bought that i have to revisit that i remember not really caring for it but i would like to read it again um, i like Hawk. i would like to see them do Huck, something with Hawk. is Hawk cool. is owned um starlight is amazing as i said before empress i really yeah. really loved um reborn i believe w- with capullo is was in development at netflix with um Hmm. Sandra Bullock hmm. and uh, Super Crooks and Superior are being developed into a- anime shows. I think Super Crooks is being advertised. And uh, the last one was Magic Order. They're developing Magic Order now as a live action TV show. Hmm. So like all of these, it it behooved him to stop writing big two books and just constantly creating his own stuff whether it was hit or miss because now it's all owned by a production company that could immediately yeah put it into production for him if he wanted to i wonder how much they discuss that with him in the in the creation side right if they're like we would like this book to be this kind of thing or you know we're looking for something that fills this niche or um even more, you know, who knows? Or if he has free reign and they're like pick and choose what they think is cool, yeah. you know. I mean, yeah. I, I there the last interview I, I he did like a word balloon interview with um, Suntress a couple years ago when I first start. Oh no, not that long ago. But from what I understand, they have no actual editorial control over him so much mm-hmm. as it's an incentive for him to try and. You know, if wherever his creativity overlaps with the incentive of what they want hmm. or what like the trends and what hmm. is yeah. happening. Right. So also to um, American Jesus is was being um, 
it was in pre-production for potentially becoming a live action miniseries too. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. like that. I like that book a lot, actually. I, um, you know, I think just looking at the masses, Chrononauts would go over like gangbusters. Right. Chrononauts would go over like gangbusters. Yeah. Um, I can't, I can't talk about it enough. Starlight is so goddamn good. That would be so awesome. What's that about? Um, a, it is the happy version of strange adventures. When someone comes oh. like a Buck Rogers guy comes back to live his life with his oh, wife. Yeah. And then that. like 30, 40 years later, she passes away of natural causes and then he's called back. So you have like an older hero going back hmm. to kind of free the land that he once freed in an hmm. intergalactic. It's that sounds cool. It was it's like such a feel good, beautiful space adventure. Hmm. Uh, I loved it so much. Nice. And also, like I read Magic Order for the first time on vacation and i was like why did this book skip me by this was this was so freaking good um it actually had a twist that i did not see coming Hmm. which doesn't happen often because we read so much shit that (laughs) nobody can can fool us anymore um you know that was uh there was a twilight zone reboot with forrest whitaker in the fairly early 2000s yeah it was on upn my dude i remember yeah I own the DVD set. I got it when The Wall or FYE was closing. You're the one. uh, Yeah. But I'll tell you what, that show was phenomenal. And one of the things I liked the most about it was that it took me like a half a season to be able to figure out what their twist was going to be. You know, Um, it was great. Like they were uh, they were unexpected. And I liked that a lot. We have two more books to talk about, uh, but before we do, yeah, real quick, if you like what we're doing here, be sure to uh, become a patron, patreon.com slash Johnny Destructo. Um, there are tons of different ways that you could support the show. Um, if monetary Lee is not your bag, you can very easily go on youtube.com slash cult pop go or facebook.com slash cult pop podcasts like comment subscribe join us for the live shows just any way that we could socialize our conversation with you is a way that you could help the show without hurting your pocket and or dude just patronize johnny destructo's hero complex we do mail outs get your comics from us if you like anything that we're talking about it's all readily available for the most part and then we'll send it to you email anyway um how's that for a quick and dirty plug it was perfect perfect. next book we're going to talk about is daredevil woman without fear number one by marvel comics written by chip zadarsky with art by rafael de la torre electra is the world's deadliest assassin and she's taken a vow not to kill someone puts themselves directly in her path with deadly consequences what else would you expect from marvel's greatest hunter that's the worst solicit I've ever read because it's just a bunch yeah, of incomplete did... sentences, but whatever. <laughs> also, um, it kind of uh, gives something away, which probably should not have been given away. In this JD, JD reminded me that it was actually given away in issue two of Devil's Reign, which I completely oh, forgot because we read that like three weeks ago. Yeah, I forgot about that too. So this is technically a tie-in book, mm. but it doesn't read like a tie-in book, and I actually appreciate that. Yeah, oh yeah. Um. So Devil's Reign is the current Marvel event that's happening right now. It's essentially a mini version of Civil War. Um, Wilson Fisk is the mayor of New York, and he has Uh um, 
called he you know, passed legislation about anti-vigilantism in New York. And if you know anything about the Marvel Universe, I don't know, maybe like roughly ninety eight point nine percent of all superheroes reside in New York. So <laughs> why? Why that's is a problem? That? Why, why are they all? Because that's, that's, it's because your that's world. where all the yeah. it's where all yeah. the writers yeah. lived. Yeah, it was I mean, it, it was, was the just, whole your yeah. world thing. Right? Or are they just like? Every there's every all these superheroes everywhere that we just never see or hear well, about. I mean, they have never they, come up in a Marvel comic. They what all have they Broadway gonna, dreams. What are they, they going to protect in Montana? Sheep? I mean, <laughs> whatever. I mean, yeah. But if anyway, something happens to the show. So, so the first two <laughs> issues of Devil's Reign has come out. It is very much a redux of Civil War. However. The story knows it's a redux of Civil War and constantly keeps kind of commenting on it in fun ways. So I'm really enjoying it. Mileage may vary. And also the art by Marco Cicchetto is just fucking 11 out of 10. Um, but this doesn't read like a like a tie-in. This is just a side story. This is a side quest story with the current Daredevil who is Elektra. Um, I think it read really well. It's very tight. Um, it's a... <sighs> It's a really, really good time filler. And by that, I'm, I don't mean that as a pejorative. Um, sometimes in comics, you have to kind of shuffle the, you know, shuffle the, the cups on the table for a little while while something else is going on. What's interesting is that Chip Zdarsky is, re- is writing both the event and this book. So it's like, even he is like, um, I just want to kind of pause my character for a second. <laughs> Which I think is really funny, but it also kind of creates a cohesiveness. Um, I think the art was fine. No, you know, the art was good. It was strong, but it's just not my favorite. I, I mean, I feel like this book has had the Daredevil book for the last 30 issues has had some top tier amazing art as Daredevil often does. Um, I feel like Daredevil is that premier book at Marvel that no one talks about, but everyone loves like Daredevil more than any other character has some of the strongest runs in modern comics from Bendis on. It's just been strong run after strong run, but nobody really talks about it until they're over. Daredevil is more for comic book fans. Daredevil is where comic book fans circle with each other. If you ask your average person on the street, like I've still got people, I still have people asking me Daredevil on Netflix worth the time. (laughs) <laughs> my non-comic or non-nerdy friends. So he's just not one that the masses gravitate to. But anybody who reads comics knows it and can name the seminal books. Yeah, I feel like it's the most consistently excellent title at Marvel, right? Mm-hmm. Like, even when you're not reading it, you hear about, like, oh, I mean, Zdarsky on, on Daredevil has been fantastic. Soul on Daredevil has been fantastic. Uh, mm-hmm. It's... I, I look at my shelf and I would never in a million years tell you my favorite character is Daredevil, but I have like three shelves of Daredevil. <laughs> it's just, it silently always takes it. Right. Um, but, uh, but yeah, this was strong. This was just, this was just a really good in between issue. That was very, very solid indicative of the rest of the run. Um, uh, did you, how did you guys feel, Brian? Um, I like this book. I, it, I don't think it feels like a tie-in at all. And I didn't even really think of it as a tie-in until you mentioned it. It feels like something that is happening while the devil's reign is happening. Like that's something that's going on in the universe. And so she mentions it Mm -hmm. and, and is even intending to go there. But 
it doesn't feel like this story is um, a part of that or dependent upon it in any way. Um, and, and also partially just because it doesn't say anything about it on the cover. Um, mm-hmm. you know, a lot, most of these would be like Devil's Reign, colon, Daredevil, colon, Woman Without Fear. <laughs> um, I feel like this yeah. is like on the, um, in the pull box, this is a, like, there's no Daredevil being mm. published right now. So this is like the replacement. This is Daredevil. For Daredevil. That's how I thought. That's what yeah. I thought it was. I thought this was just Daredevil, but with a new, you know, a new um, uh, what subheading. I guess you would call it. It's a um, three-issue miniseries. Oh, how about that? Yeah. It's but it's good. I, so I also I really like the art. Um, I think Elektra as Daredevil is very cool, um, and especially because Matt Murdock is now back as Daredevil, but she also is. Daredevil mm-hmm. and uh, I like I like the blend that they've done of her look and Daredevil like it's a very effective kind of uh, comics mashup sort of thing um, now did they always know each other in college like ever since she was introduced were they she and Matt like people who knew each other and dated in co- or at least knew each other in college I don't know if it's original continuity but it is recent continuity Okay, if that makes yeah. it like it's it's not something that was baked into the first appearance, but this is not the first time that they've mentioned like it's that been they around had a life together. But like in, the, to, in like the nineties, was she? Is this like I going way so. back? Or I think yeah. I think this is twenty years worth. The okay, yeah. yeah. Um, now, <laughs> all that being said, they do a thing in this comic that happens sometimes where. Uh, a writer will write something that is phrased in a way that it sounds wise or smart and is not the case. <laughs> you know what I mean? It sounds like this insight where uh, she meets the second person that trains her and so she says, the deadliest things in the world are silent. And it's like, hmm, die a hero or live long enough to see yourself as yeah. a villain. You, you know, know it's what like, yeah, I think the asteroid that killed the dinosaurs was probably pretty loud. You know, you know what happens to a frog that gets struck by lightning? Same thing as happens to everything else. Yeah, that's a good line. I like that line because I think it's cool. I think it's a cool line, and that is also true. <laughs> it is. I mean, not everything else. It's, but, it's a true statement, you know. but is it a zinger? No. Um, I, I I never agreed with the with all of the dislike that that line has gotten. When I saw it, I was like. Oh, that's fun. That's clever. But Maybe it that is actually it, so I did actually recently read an article that said in the original earlier version of the script, there were like two other instances of Toad saying things like that. And so when she said it, she was like kind of parroting him back and her delivery mm-hmm. made more sense. In oh, that. so it was supposed to be a callback. Now, yeah. I'm, now I'm more mad about it. Yeah. Well, I don't think they ever filmed it or anything. I don't know. It was yeah, but why it would was it like have been, in an early draft? It shouldn't have survived the draft. Yeah. If it like that's like keeping the punchline and not having right. the joke. See, I always thought it was a cool line on its own. Like, what happens is everything else. But that's me. But this book, the deadliest things in the world are silent. Is not a true statement. I don't think, or maybe it is, but it's. I don't, when when those things show up in in pop culture writing, I'm like, uh, <laughs> it's that's that, it's debatable at best. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Todd Todd jumped in with, uh, I'd say, Daredevil began its goodness way back with Frank Miller, followed by Innocenti. Underrated run, but it hasn't grabbed me for a long time. I tried Electro run based on you guys telling us, but the issue I read didn't work for me. Uh, You definitely shouldn't start with it. If you're referring to issue 25 where she becomes Daredevil, no, the the seeds were... 24 issues before where it became really effective. Just I, read yeah. through those 24 and then. Well, I, I mean, it was. It, <laughs> That's <it's>, all. <laughs> on, on the nose, it's just yeah, a pitch yeah. in a room like, let's. what if Electra's Daredevil? Yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. Start it out. But Zdarsky really did go through the effort of setting it up in an organic way and then putting. Is, even even the, the, the mechanics of it all were we put Matt in prison again. Yeah, we've seen him in prison. Who cares? But it, he always kind of twists it a little bit where it's it's actually Daredevil that's in prison hmm. and he's wearing his mask the whole time and all of the legal somersaults about uh, Matt being still existing in the real world with his twin and all kinds of weird shit. Like yeah. he set it up in such a way where it's even though it sounded tropey, it felt fresh in context. That storyline where he made his twin real was pretty cool. We read that for the show. Yeah, that was weird as hell, but it was good. It was cool and very undaredevilish. In you know, I mean, Daredevil doesn't usually have things of that outlandish in nature. Yeah, yeah, like magic happen. Now, I have never read Daredevil regularly. I've always thought like, oh, he's cool. You know, he's like he's a cool guy to show up. But I have never. I don't think I've ever in my life picked up a daredevil comic for an extended period of time. I, so, uh, even like, uh, Todd Engel after Nascenti's run, it was Bendis and then Brubaker and then Mark Wade and then Charles soul. And then, um, Diggle was in there for about 12 issues, Shadowland. We don't like to talk about it, but it literally for the last 15 years, it has been one of the strongest consistently, the consistently strongest books on, on the shelves. It has never really dipped for more than, you know, 10 issues or so. Uh, but Brian, I don't know if you would like daredevil consistently. Yeah, it's probably not. It yeah. is a, it is a darker corner of moral ambiguity that you tend to not enjoy for long periods of time in your comic book reading. You're more mystical and magical like a unicorn. Also, also yeah, I feel like, like yeah, we're like we're, we're armchair experting um, Brian's reading habits. There now, we but are. I feel Absolutely. like we're mansplaining like, <laughs> yeah. his reading. I feel like, you gravitate more towards the altruistic nature of heroism, right? I do indeed. It is it is yeah. like legacies and and uh the epitomes of excellence striving for that is something that is appeals to you. Just. Daredevil is about We're just being already embodying. Yeah, yeah Daredevil yeah. is essentially the opposite, how to do that mm. and constantly fail at it mm. while wrestling with faith and moral ambiguity and right. his yeah he's like he's super ambigu- into faith he's he's that yeah, he's street he's level a, whereas he's a I vigilante prefer- lawyer yeah. Yeah. who beats the shit out of people but is a yeah. practicing catholic like it's nothing but gray area the entire book at all times and i don't know if you would feel satisfied by living in that for long periods of time yeah yeah i mean i never have I never have had the desire to, you know, like I said, like I've read Daredevil comics or seen him show up and I'm always like, 
oh, he's cool, you know. Um, but the arcs of Daredevil that I've read have never made me want to go check out more Daredevil. He's not, you know, he, like I said, he's very street level also. There's nothing there's nothing abstract or cosmic or, you know. He, yeah. You might like Mark Wade's run, though. That's what I've heard. And that is probably the one that I was most tempted to pick up um, because everyone described it as swashbuckling, they said. Um, and uh, uh, that sounded like fun. It's and really just, quite yeah. delightful. Yeah. I, I remember. No, you know what? I guess I'm wrong. I did read Daredevil at one point, at least, because I remember stopping when... <laughs> Um, I remember hating it. I, yeah, I just got incredibly <laughs> bored with, there was like 10 or 12 issues in a row of just him in the courtroom in the early 2000s. That's Bendis, by the way. Yeah, yeah. and I was like, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is he, it. Yeah. His, his secret identity got outed and he literally yeah. sued everyone. So it was but a it legal was like drama for a while. Yeah, Courtroom drama yeah. for over a year <laughs> that was that for me so i must have been reading it and then decided to stop reading it um bringing it back rob what did you think of this issue um so i read this um after i had already read what the hell was it the um superior four so the 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 devil's reign was already kind of slathered into my head and i just took it as this is what's going on in this world like i actually honestly i thought like devil's reign i didn't even know what the hell devil's reign actually was it was just okay kingpin's taken over things are a little dark right now in the marvel universe this was a perfect introduction it introduced me to the character introduced me to the event and it just did it all in such a tight package i it was beautiful it was really well done it was a good number one issue it was a good different world for where daredevil has been in the past i it was a page turner I, I absolutely loved it yeah this is this is definitely going to when when zadarsky's done with the book it is definitely going to be a fondly remembered run and i will absolutely you know purchase it in oversized to stay on my shelf. And I've, and I've been as, I've been a Zdarsky fanboy since sex criminals. So he's rarely I, done wrong for me. I think people are surprised at how effectively he handles this type of story. Cause we all were introduced to him via comedy, right? Like yeah. uh, sex criminals, Jughead, um, yeah. uh, Howard, the duck, like he was the subversive comedic guy. And then all of a sudden he's smacking you over the head with daredevil. Like, okay. Okay. Oh, so I, didn't, I didn't know him as a comedic guy. I was really first yeah. exposed to him on the show here, uh, this show. Um, I forget what it was that we were at, but it was, it was uh, I forget if it was like more traditional superhero fair or, um, Oh um, yeah, he, more he did independent. A, actually, he did a justice. He did a justice league miniseries that we talked about on the show. Really? There was, hmm. Maybe it was <laughs> he that he did Spider Man too. He did do. Yeah. we read Life Story, but that was a little after. Well, before that though, he did Peter Parker Spectacular Spider Man, uh, a oh, good okay. like twenty something issue run on Spider Man. Okay. Did he do any independent stuff around the last couple of years? Um. I'm sure he did other than sex well, criminals. Sex, I, just I mean, sex criminals. Yeah. But that was, a but that, was that was his mostly his art and co-writing with, with fraction. 
Like right. that was more, that was a little bit a touch more fractions baby than his. Yeah, fair. But yeah, he um he has become he has proven himself a very versatile storyteller. And it's just I don't know. You get to you get to enjoy like it's a parasocial relationship with a lot of these writers and 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 and, and creators and storytellers. So you start to like actively cheer like they're your friend when like they show you something else in the, in their toolbox. It's just like, good for you, Chip. I thought you were just the comedy guy. This is great. When, when in reality, that's probably just also very condescending, but whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> the I, last, I, I, he'll be okay. He won't care. Yeah. I'm he sorry, Mr. Didarsky. <laughs> <laughs> so the last book we're going to talk about today is uh detective comics, 1084. We, are reading this because it's the second part of a 12 issue kind of story called shadows of the bat, which I still don't really like the title, the title it's multiple Wasn't shadows. That, uh, on bat. Shadows of the bat was a uh, shadow of the, the shadow of the bat. Although, although if you have multiple lights on right, one yes. thing, you do get multiple shadows. Sometimes, Great. You know, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, <laughs> um, but the first issue, I think all of us, uh, we agreed the first issue last week was stronger than we expected. Yeah. And like, <laughs> even, yeah. even though there was like some real dumb plot things, like why would you make Arkham Asylum a tower in the middle of the city? Whatever. Um, People it was, very it was, yeah, it was mildly <laughs> forgivable though. It was mildly forgivable though, because it was just, it was just, it was a solid Batman comic that didn't feature Batman at all. So it was like, okay, let's, let's follow through with some of like a couple issues into this 12 issue thing and see what happens. So, um, that's the preamble. Solicitations are as follows. Uh, written by Mariko Tamaki and Matthew Rosenberg uh, with art by Ivan Reese and Fernando Blanco. Um, the Tower, Part 2. The Mysteries of Dr. Weir. Where? Uh, begin Wire? to unf- yeah. Where? I, I was pronouncing it Weir also until they rhymed it with yeah. there in this issue. Yeah. Begin to unfold as a new doctor named Frau. Fro, sorry, Fro. because no. Or Brow, Frau. Yeah, yeah. Joins they the also, fucking. They also help us out with that one. <laughs> Joins the staff of Arkham Tower. The Bat Family tries to figure out the best way to infiltrate the facility, but someone ha- may have gotten the drop on them. Someone not unfamiliar with psychiatric facilities. One, Harleen Quinzel, better known to you, dear readers, as Harley Quinn. So, um, this is this is this is like a foundational issue. Um, not much happens other than table setting uh which to me usually is the fastest way for me to drop a book however it's a weekly book so i have to like reframe my brain into i'm not waiting a month to kind of start knocking down these dominoes they're setting up so it's this is like um a larger form function form versus function conversation for me. Like if it reads better in trade versus if it reads better in issues, the publishing schedule does take into effect as to my patience, as to where a story is going and the pacing of what of such. So the first issue was like, it was great. Like they were jumping forward and backwards in time. They were showing you the aftermath while also setting up the, the, you know, the ordinary world of the story before it all going to shit. And we don't know how it all goes to shit. But this halted that pace to slow down and explain to you in great detail, whether you like it or not, the ordinary world of this tower. 
all useful. Um, cool. Well done. But in contrast to the first issue that was just so quick and effective, mm. it it did feel like a like a wheel screech. I don't dislike anything that happened here and it's done well for me, but it, I, if I was reading this in succession, it, it really would have felt jarring. Like, poof. and my patience for it is more kind because I know that we're going to get another issue next week, right away, like tomorrow. So, hmm. so I don't know, like this is a context the context of how this is releasing and how I'm reading it makes me more forgivable about the things that I have problems with. If that makes sense. It um, does. But uh, yeah. what did you guys think, uh, Rob? You're first. No baggage. So I honestly thought it was the start of the story because it looks like it seems like they kind of rushed you through the first issue of the present day and now they're taking you back in time. You can do that in the first issue as well. So I thought it was a good introduction to this Dr. Where, Why, or Where are. Wiry. Um, wiry. Dr. Wiry. wiry. Yeah. Um, what's, up, what's the deal with Oracle? Oracle's back in the chair again? Um, She's, uh, she is not paralyzed at the moment, I don't think. I think she's not Batgirl, but she, she's Oracle, but she can occasionally go into the field if necessary. She's her... Um, okay. Her her mobility is based off of an uh, an implant in her spine. Um, I think right. it was during yeah. the, the Joker. No, yeah, that's that was that continuity, which is still current. But during the Joker War, he did something, and she's like on sketchy ground. So it still functions. She's still mobile. But okay. it can't take that much beating, so she is very selective uh, about right, when right. she goes out in the field ah. as Batgirl. Okay. So she's she's kind of got a duality. So like she'll show up every once in a while in costume if she deems it necessary. But other than yeah. that, she's more of like a um. She controls. She feeds Stephanie and Cassandra information, and they are her pawns. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I, you know, got Arkham Tower, it was a little silly. Fine, <laughs> whatever. Um, but other than that, it was a really solid introductory issue into this new Bat story. Uh, and I love the front cover. That's so cool. I, You know yeah. what? I, I want to talk about, like, I didn't... Thank you for bringing that up, because I, I want to talk about how all of the covers for this are hyper-photorealistic. Mm. Yeah. And I don't know if I love it. It's it, disturbing. Yeah, it takes me out. Like, um, what's the what's the name of when they make when people make comics out of photography? What is it Fumetti. like? Fumetti. Yeah. I always disliked it, and it gives me kind of like weird PTSD flashbacks of Fumetti. Mm. Like, I I don't know. I, I and I know that these aren't just pictures. Like somebody right. actually did right, right. photorealistically yeah. paint that. See, I but think I it's something it. that I, I would pause if I was walking past it on a shelf. This is one I would say hmm. would break the sameness. I think it's the next issue that is just a, and they may preview it at the end of this one. It's just a hyper extreme close up of Huntress hmm. and an actress portraying Huntress. And it's just like, I don't know, I'd, I'd rather see an, an artist rendition than a person, but that's just me. I don't know. It's not yeah, a I, always, I think it's odd um, 
when the covers are like that and the interior is not like that. So really? Include, you haven't gotten over that one yet? <laughs> uh, no. Well, maybe odd isn't the right word, but um, it's a different kind of thing. You know what I mean? When than when the art is the same artist as the interior. Um, now, Fumetti, I always thought was a very interesting and sometimes cool thing, but never something that I would want to, you know, read continuously. Um, but, yeah, uh, it, it is to me still a bit, I don't know. Uh, it doesn't flow quite as well. Also, the subject of the cover uh, being Harley Quinn, it's like they just wanted to have Harley Quinn <laughs> on oh, the yeah. cover of this book, and the the person inside isn't Harley Quinn. It's uh, it's somebody who thinks they're Harley Quinn, which is an interesting and kind of fun person to be in Arkham Asylum or Arkham Tower, um, <laughs> which, Arkham base, Arkham basement. Yeah, this. Why don't we take the place that people are constantly breaking out of on the outskirts of town and put it in Center City? <laughs> it just blew up. Why don't we bring it a little closer? <laughs> um, yeah, I thought it is a weird choice for this issue. So you didn't read the last one, Rob, but like yeah. Noel was saying, the, the last one starts off almost without a beginning. It's the middle of the story. Like the Arkham Tower has already um, fallen, but you know, like some shit's going down, and we don't know what it I is. But um, it, I'm pretty sure it's all like on lockdown. But the the um, people in there, you know, the in, I don't think they're inmates, but um, whomever they are, uh, you know. The, the one woman that you meet here with the purple hair seems to be the focus of it. And they're out there killing people where got thrown out of the building already and landed like 30 stories down. Um, and it, Oh, and, and Nightwing and Cassandra. And I think uh, Batwoman are all in there um, and they can't get a hold of Nightwing for a little while. It's like, right in the midst of the action. And then in this one, it's like a flashback that weirdly says Arkham Tower day 12. I went back as we were talking about it, kind of thinking that it said Arkham Tower minus 12 days, like 12 days until kind of thing. But it doesn't do that. It's just, I guess the 12th day that Arkham Tower has been in operation. And then you get this story. Um, I was a little disappointed by the ending that where is not such a great guy. Um, and I was, I was disappointed by finding out that where was not such a great guy, mostly because it was like, I kind of figured he wasn't <laughs> from the first, yeah. from the first issue. You know what I mean? So then when we find out here, it's like, Oh, I was kind of holding out hope that he actually was altruistic because that would be different for somebody running Arkham yeah. Asylum. Well, you know what I mean? but but that's as a kid, right? Yeah, he could have gotten. It's true. It's true. It's just and, that's the kind of story beat that usually telegraphs that he's a true. psychotic. You and know. he's yeah. he's dead, as far as we well, probably maybe I, not. Yeah, I'm wondering if he. Yeah, exactly. Or that's so, like uh, a wear clothes. Yeah, Robert at yeah. the end of issue one 
Dr. Weir is thrown through a window at the top of the skyscraper and just like splats. Yeah. You see him splat. Well, you well, see the aftermath and then they, have. <laughs> they show a close up of his hand with, I think it's his ring finger that's missing. No. Wow. So who knows? So he falls out of the building and just his finger pops off? Yes. Yeah. Uh, or it's that's, severed. Whichever. Yeah. Physics. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah I, now, who knows? Maybe he is actually dead and just things will be revealed about him. And that's why that's how he plays no, a role. It's, it's going to be. It's so um, telegraphed, especially in, in that conversation with uh, Batwoman. It's like, this yeah. guy's weird. Yeah. 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 Um, now, we, you had mentioned that uh, Batman doesn't show up at all in issue one, which I, uh, you, and I think JD as well thought was very cool. Um, you know, uh, not something that I remember ever seeing before where Batman isn't in a Batman book because, but he's not, he's not presumed dead or anything. You know what I mean? Um, and it's everybody else in this big Gotham event. Um, I feel like, I feel like detective detective did that for a while. And I want to say, was it right after new 52? There was, there was a period where detective was Batman without Batman. I'm, I'm pointing at it. It's right over there. It was, um, uh, Bucoletto. Yeah, it's it was Manipal and Bucoletto after yeah. Flash. They did Detective for a while, and uh-huh. it was about the precinct for the most part. It was like the main character was uh, what's his name, um, Bullock. Was he? Uh, yeah. Uh, but not like the Bat Family, right? It was no, like this no. is a Gotham PD story. It was basically a Gotham PD story yeah, that yeah. was like Bat Family adjacent, and then. Tinian took over during Rebirth Detective Comics and Batman showed up at the beginning, but it was basically like this, where it was he essentially gave Batwoman the keys to the kingdom and was just like, I need you to, I would like you to build a team and train all these uh, various sidekicks. Yeah, yeah. And they, you know, like the book was basically a Batwoman book and Batman would show up like an extended cameo here and there. Right, right. But this is he is straight up off the board. Like he's right. in Europe, right? Yeah. He's dealing with something in Europe. He's gone. And actually the reason that I brought it up is, um, I didn't think of this while I was reading it, but when you mentioned it during, uh, this review, you do actually see him in this comic. It's a flashback and it's a single page. And it's just like history of Mr. Yeah. Freeze. And it doesn't, it doesn't break the coolness of what that is doing in this story. But now thinking about it, it's like, well, maybe it kind of would have been cool if they only ever talked about him. Yeah, also yeah. to the the backup, yeah. the the Matt Rosenberg and Fernando Blanco backup. It didn't read it. Read the backup next time, and only right. because right. it, it's very it, they're strong. Like it's it's just a continuation from last cool. week's where it's this art is really good. The in the first issue they introduced this this guy Nero, the seventeenth or something or eight, I don't 14th, know. I think. Yeah, um, who <laughs> wanted to kill the mayor and he's rehabilitated. The backup was explicitly like kind of his inciting incident as a child Mm. and then being put in the system. And then this was a follow up of he's in the system and, you know, brush his shoulders with uh, Bruce Wayne, Batman first and then Bruce Wayne. And it, it just it's it appears as though this whole backup as it goes is going to almost be like a retroactive profile on how um 
anybody can end up being a villain in Gotham just by circumstance. I was wondering if this kid was. Thank you. That helped. Um, But yeah, this was, I mean, this was strong. Um, I think this is going to read really good altogether. Rice and Rice's art is gorgeous. Yeah, it's great. Beautiful. The sky is also blue. He is always good. Yeah. It really carries a book of mostly people talking to each other. Very, very, Uh, very. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, he has, go ahead. I was going to say, I read this right after Bloodstone, which had horrific art. So that was, I, it, was, it, was it was a palate cleanser. God bless you for reading the entirety of the Dropbox. Yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> I guess you didn't see the list Noel sent out on it a couple of days. Why would you have been paying attention? That was a couple, was a couple days ago. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I also read the contents completely. I, I like, I, it's the, um, it's the, terrible chosen job of like i'll read as much as humanly possible and let you guys know what's straight up landmines and what might be kind of like interesting conversations you definitely picked the best ones for the show the two we're skipping were definitely the two we just <laughs> in the conversation mucho gusto and mm-hmm. we're skipping those explicitly so we could talk about oh uh, jd says nero the 19th actually i thought it was uh, a, i thought it was a larger number than that yeah we're skipping those two books so we can spend a little time talking about Peacemaker, the television show that premiered on HBO Max last week. Uh, airs every Thursday. They dropped the first three episodes in one chunk. Uh, it is an eight-episode run, and subsequent episodes will come out every Thursday. Uh, written and directed by James Gunn. Yes, he wrote all eight episodes and directed, oh, cool. directed five of the eight. Um, yeah. So the ones that we've seen so far were he directed exclusively him. And for those of you who don't know, it is a continuation of the recent Suicide Squad movie. Um, we are seeing what happens to Peacemaker, John Cena's character, after the events of that movie. This show is a giant swing tonally if you're not familiar with James Gunn's previous work in movies such as Super. And a little bit of Slither. If you're familiar with those movies, it's like, oh, I see what you did there. Um, and for me, that's just my fucking love. That's my love language. I, I adore the shit out of this show uh, and the things I just mentioned. And I'm having a grand old time. Uh, what do you guys think? I think it's great. Yeah, it's uh, I enjoyed Suicide Squad. I hesitate to say more than I thought I would because him being the director and writing, you know, like I was like, it's probably pretty good, but even so more than I thought I would, like it was, it was really good. Um, There is a little question as to why DC doesn't do it's more, more major characters. um, uh, While meanwhile doing suicide squad and then transitioning into the peacemaker TV show. Um, But it's awesome. I mean, it's great. It's a fun show. Um, it's he, he, the peacemaker has an interesting complexity in this show where he's, um, you know, apparently a giant marauding jackass, but he actually has these feelings and and a heart. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. He thinks he's doing the right thing. Vigilante is a lot of fun. Um, (laughs) as are the team that he, that he is with. So, yeah. 
it's it's smart how they make his broness seem cute and adorable because it's so juxtaposed to Robert Patrick's complete hate mongering yeah. and, you know, yeah. complete his father's complete, you know, neo-Nazi attitude towards everything. Um, you know, anything John Senna does, even though it's a little dense, it's a little archaic, it's almost kind of adorable, right? Because he does have just those moments when he's so disgusted by his father's attitude. You go, okay, he's a good guy. Yeah. He's just like Johnny Lawrence. He's trapped in yeah. 1987, right? He's it's, got kind of a, a almost a wide-eyed innocence for yeah. a for a repeated killer. Uh, yeah. Where, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, he's um, he's likable because they make the effort of juxtaposing him his actions against more horribleness, right? right? Like with his father, and they do the work of actually kind of they don't go out of their way to try and make him redeemable so much as make you question or understand why he thought that was the right choice. Yeah. Yeah, like, right. I don't expect him to change during the course no. of this show. Um, you know, I just expect to watch he him is, do his thing. He's a brutal killer that I, in the real world would probably be like, hey, you know, I, I wouldn't give him as much leeway, but uh, you know, and I, I do. Story. And for me, like spoilers for the suicide squad, um, my, that movie, the, uh, for, I loved it. But the the part of it that there's a there's one part of the movie that actively kind of disturbed me, not because like, oh, my God, they got they they died. It was it was just it was emotionally effective was when he killed Rick Flagg. Yeah, Yeah. because it was these are two heroes in the movie um, coming to blows, which we see in comic books and comic movies all the time. Mm. The same team fights and then you just kind of figure it out. No, he kills him. And then and Rick, he's also Peacemaker's hero. Like, yeah. I think he really yeah. looked up to Rick Flagg. And Rick Flagg's last words were Peacemaker, what a joke. Yeah. Yeah. Which still resonate in this show. So mm-hmm. it, it started very wisely. It started the character at lower than base level. Like mm-hmm. a giant hole to dig his way out of. And it effectively even bothers him for the first time in his whole life. Yeah. So like I, it's there is just like with a lot of James Gunn's stuff, it on the surface it is uh bug nuts, glam metal, <laughs> vulgar, gross, uh immature, but there's somehow pathos and genuine emotion and effective it's just it's it's shocking it's shocking how he's able to mix genres so effectively gun's biggest trait is he knows how to integrate everything into it every human emotion the music choices i mean he always has an amazing soundtrack as a Mm. backdrop to everything i have watched that intro probably a hundred times I can't stop watching it. It's it just it's. I know we're having a back and forth about it on the on the group chat, but I mean, I just I YouTube it just when I want to feel happy. I'll just pull up the Peacemaker intro. I I thought I would yeah. skip it by the third episode, but I do not skip it. Yeah, I kept yeah, I kept watching it too. As much yeah. as you know, I like the ability, regardless of what James Gunn desires, I like the ability to skip so by. 
intros. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because hey, they're not all as good as this one. No, but I think I think yeah. I think he means thematically. Like we're yeah. so predisposed to just skip as soon as the button is available. Yes. But what if we didn't want to skip? Not right. I'm going to make you. Right. Look at these people's names. It's like, what if I wanted to watch it again? Yeah, the tweet I was referencing was basically, people work really hard on these shows. So I want to yeah. give them credit. So what you're talking about, just that instinct to immediately hit the... Oh, yeah. Whenever, yeah. Um, like, I liked it when TV shows for a while were doing very, very short. They would just, like, kind of throw up the name of the show and then there would yeah. be names while just the a, show was going in the just beginning. a title yeah. card. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, once I've already seen one, like I think I said on the chat, like I like to watch whatever show. I like to watch the intro the first time, and then that's good enough for me usually. Um, and I go to IMDb if I want to know who had something to do with the show. So this uh, is now this extra. Uh, extra media kind of thing which didn't used to exist at all you know it's it's also if again if you've like i'm a, I'm a fan of james gunn if you've seen his other stuff uh, especially first of all he's always he's very big on opening title sequences and credits and he There's does them well like he always does cool shit yeah for him i speaking for someone else it's not just introduction he also captures the whole thing tonally mm. with his opening credit sequence. Mm. And he's done that consistently. Like the first guardians of the galaxy. Mm. It's, it's um, big and massive and dark. And then all of a sudden you're hearing uh, a Motown tune and an idiot dancing through it. Yeah. yeah. So you immediately understand the tone of this entire movie. Mm doubles up again on uh, guardians two, where massive battle is happening behind this cute little fucker yeah, yeah, yeah. dancing yeah. around, but more so than anything else. I don't know if you guys have ever seen super with, uh, yeah. um, rain yeah. Wilson. You've never oh, seen yeah. it, Rob. Yeah. No, yeah. Yes. The, the opening credit sequence is animated and it's a whole musical number where animated versions of the, of the main characters in the movie are literally doing like chorus line dances, crudely animated and the way it ends is the song ends and they're all standing there in poses and the animated figures start breathing heavy. Like they just performed. They're like <laughs> <laughs> for like five seconds. And he redoes that joke in the peacemaker opening credit sequence. Even the bird is like <sighs> eagerly. I love it. It's such a good joke. And it's, it's just, it's this subtle way of breaking the fourth wall that, speaks to the theme and the tone of the show that doesn't actually speak to the tone of the show or to the to the show itself well also the people who are in it <clears throat> you know there's all the main characters and then there's like the guy that he runs yeah. into in the first episode who all may or may characters. not show up again yeah uh, what's her name's wife is doing the same uh yeah, dance yeah. moves but she's yeah. throwing birds in too yeah yeah like there's so much it's we're we've the show is great. It's hmm. overall, but like you could, you, I think you could literally do a masterclass on there's just the opening there. credit sequence. Yeah. I mean, there's just, there's layers to it. And that's, I think that speaks to, that's James Gunn. I, I, I think they should give this guy a swing at the whole DCEU. Get it, yeah, out, well, get awesome. it out from under the Snyders. 
he don't take a swing. Whether you like his stuff or not, you cannot deny that he is incredibly emotional about everything he does. Right? Like he gave a shit about the suicide squad. He gave a shit about Ratcatcher. Right. Like emotionally gave a shit about her and him. Uh, I, you guys ever uh, see PG porn? Of course. Yeah. Oh, Brian, when you get a chance, Google right. James Gunn PG porn. Right. Even that has an emotional level to it. I mean, it's the, so earnest. The Charlie yeah. Brown one gives you like almost chills, right? Just, I mean, even, you know, before the, you know, there's always that kind of twist moment to each of those, but basically it's porn without the sex. It's, it's <laughs> everything's in a porn movie, but sex. Yeah. It's a, it's a bunch of like short sex. films that are, sex. yeah, that are set up in punchline and it's just in the world. Like it's, it takes porn tropes and turns yeah. it into like punchlines. <laughs> Uh, I loved it. I can't wait. This is yeah. a weekly watch. Yeah. yeah, bring it on. Yeah, yeah. and he uh, like currently he's filming Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three and the oh, Guardians yeah. Holiday Special yeah. at the same time. And I mean, even though it's hard to judge whether it's a weird year, it's hard to judge whether the Suicide Squad and or this are successful hmm. because box office isn't a measurement anymore especially mm. because hbo did day and date for all of their new releases mm. <clears throat> so i mean i for all like from what we understand dc is dc slash warner brothers is in love with him and he's already developing some other stuff mm. but whether it's a scoping nature i don't know like would i love to see him do superman fuck yes but would i also love to see him do like batmite yeah, let's do it. I don't care. Yeah. Which seems like more the kind of thing that he would do. Um, I, you, know, you know what? I bet you there's a solid as hell Superman movie in him too. Oh, for sure. I think he would. Yeah, he would do a good job. Um, I mean, the DC could really use a person with vision for the line. Yeah, exactly. Um, also, somebody that understands the core yeah. emotional yeah. value of each character, right? right? So it's not everything through the my prism. It's what is the emotional core value of this yeah. character and then tell that story. It's not everything is dark. So let's how do we make Superman yeah. dark and how do we make this dark? It's yeah. Superman is bright. So let's do this with him. Not like it's, well, it's always it's so chicken in- or the egg, right? Yeah. yeah, I was always so impressed with the Flash on CW because Arrow was very successful and they didn't just make the Flash like Arrow. They were like, instead of trying to replicate Arrow's success by doing a, an Oliver Queen-like version of the Flash, we'll try to replicate Arrow's success by bringing what has made this long-running character successful to this to this new media, which is something that Marvel has done. You know, Marvel's, I mean, there's a certain similarity to the Marvel movies and none of them have that different of a tone from each other. Um, but they all are, uh, they all are very true to the core of their different characters. Yeah. I, you know? I would say, I would say for the Marvel movies, there's a margin of error. Uh, yeah. 
So yeah. like they all they all exist in the same world. There's a margin. There's like a twenty percent left or right that you can go in regards to tone, yeah. and then they all mimic some other genre. Mm-hmm. So so you've got the spy thriller, but it's within the Marvel tone, plus or minus twenty percent. You've got the yeah. the the monster movie Marvel tone plus minus twenty. So like they at least have some sort of formula that kind of creates consistency, but offers you know limited motion within a sandbox to make it yeah. yours or towards something. So it's I mean some people probably consider that limiting. I think it's kind of cool. I do think that creativity thrives with limitations. Yeah. So I do I think that people like James Gunn took the limitations and created something new. Whereas people like, I mean, the directors of uh, Captain Marvel already forgot their names, liked it a lot. Solid movie, very by the numbers. So they did not do anything really new within the sandbox. They did a really good version of the sandbox. Hmm. So it's like, I, I, I think it could be good and it could be fine. Sandbox. They also do, um, the character very well you know what i mean they're not trying to do their director's version of that character um you know is how it is how it has always seemed to me that you know a lot of um especially in the older days of comic movies but up through like christopher nolan's batman and what may or may not be matt reeves batman um as good as some of those are they are Christopher Nolan's idea of what Batman is. It's not just Batman. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, those, I think those are, I think that's plus or minus where the, like DC has been creator driven in regards to their movies. Whereas Marvel is very house driven. They, they've agreed upon the established rules before handing over the keys. Whereas a, WB it's just like here's the keys well I feel like also like for instance Christopher Nolan was like what if Batman existed in the real world seemed to be his driving force Um, and I don't want him to ever meet Superman you know kind of thing Um, and what was that I said it's his own world exactly right Um, it's not Batman from the comics in a movie the way that like Captain America, there are, there are differences from the comics continuity very much feels like the Captain America that you might read a comic about. Mm -hmm. Um, and that also helps do different characters in different ways rather than Batman is very successful. Let's do other dark movies, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think all these guys were stealing from the past, right? I mean, everything we've talked about so far, you know, Snyder, Nolan, they, they've all lifted from everything that's been around since the dark age of comics started in 86. Mm-hmm. Gunn's taking it all in new directions, right? He's almost doing that sort of, I don't want to say mockery of the genre, but certainly... I think it's a like a loving tongue-in-cheek kind I, of like we're all having fun with this together. I think you I think you yeah. nailed it. I think you inadvertently nailed it though, Rob. I think it has to do with their influences and and the Bible that they which they choose to read from, right? So Nolan and Snyder decided to choose to to read exclusively from like the the 
Frank Miller Bible, whereas Gunn is more interested in the Ostrander Bible and the the seventies um, Bible of the characters yeah. and modernizing them as opposed to the true version is this rainy day version, yeah. right? It's it's just it's just their their sources that they're that they're choosing to to curb from. Whereas converse or um, adversely over at Marvel, before they invite filmmakers in they have an idea of the stories and or characterizations that they want to explore to fit. It's just, it's, it's. Well, they have one guy in charge. I mean, that, yeah. And there's yeah, a consistency. And a guy who understands their properties. I appeal. And even when Snyder was in charge, he's, you know, we always want to lay all the blame at Snyder's feet, but Snyder has a lot of meddling from the parent company that Feige has not had. Right. They've just let Feige be because he knows comics where WB has never had that faith with any of this. And, yeah, you know, we talk about being too close to comics, everything. I would talk to these creators during that time. Uh, a certain guy whose name rhymes with Schmef Schmanz, who asked me not to, you know, put a lot of stuff in the public eye. But a lot of these people would have some cathartic laments to me. Um, when I kind of ask, you know, what the fuck, or I would just drop a shitty interview on it or a shitty review on Ain't It Cool, and they would write out and go, yeah, I just don't know why I feel like I need to tell you what's happening behind the scenes. And nine times out of ten, Warner Brothers suits that didn't understand a goddamn thing about comic books, trying to interject and slather uh, tons of demographics on top and psychographics and uh, user testing groups and blah, 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 blah not baggage that Marvel's had. And I think finally Warner Brothers has woken up and said, we've got a genius. He understands comics. Let's just let him make a damn show. And let him make it, it hasn't financially paid off for them yet. So that's what makes me kind of scared. Like there are no, um, and this is a, probably, it's getting late. This is probably the last point I want to make, and then I'll give it to you guys, but there's been no traditional return of investment shown to the old heads at Warner Brothers yet in regards to James Gunn playing in the forum. Suicide Squad did not make a normal return on investment when it comes to uh, box office receipts. He must Peacemaker, be comparing that to other things from this time, though. But and then, streaming, what's the it, streaming revenue? And the reten- basically your retention in turn is what you're looking at with streaming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a different model, and some of these people that are in charge were expecting one thing and got something right. else. And you can right. you can argue all day long as to why and or how and how it may be more successful than you know the traditional model, vices, whatever. But are they going to be patient enough to find out, or are they mm-hmm. going to reactively move like they have in the past multiple times, mm-hmm. a la? Snyder's bullshit and Joss Whedon being pulled in and uh, great ideas and development that are just like ripped away. Like it now it is Warner it Brothers is has never totally been different people now, right? Like, yeah, this, I mean, yeah, sure, you know, yeah, but well, it's, yeah. it's shifted like five times. It's not, and, the, well, and sure. the thinking has not right, changed right. yet. So, yeah. what I'm saying is, like, here's hoping that they have the patience to see if this has legs, yeah, quant- qualitatively as well as quantitatively. Or if it's just like, oh, it's not working. Quick, move. And it's I think another the Flash movie version. will be a big determinant, right, of like what goes forward. You know, if that's successful and depending on what it is and what it's like. And that There's cool stuff in the works, right? So like um, yeah. the Flash movie, the Batgirl movie uh, looks rad. Yeah. Um, yeah 22. 
uh, Blue Beetle, I'm actually very excited for. Yeah. Honestly. Although they seem to be shying away from their major character. You know, like Batgirl instead of Batman. Superman is nowhere to be seen. Oh, I mean, Batman's know? got his own movie. What are you talking about? Yeah, but he's not in, you know, he's not like in their I, larger wait, universe. I, I, what? Oh, you, a shared universe? Yeah, yeah. I don't, I, mean, I think Matt Reeves is like separate from. But that'll whatever. be its own shared universe. It's yeah. a shit ton of miniseries that'll all be kind of connected if they want to be or not. Hmm. And I'm fine with that. Just tell a good story. I and and I don't I to your point, I don't know if I want a Batgirl that is I know this is gonna sound stupid just like semantically. I don't necessarily want a Batgirl story that is contingent on Batman being there to be good. No, you know, no, that's not what yeah. I mean at all. No, I mean, no, like, no, but I, I don't yeah. want that to be mixed. I don't need Batman to show up in the Batgirl movie. Two lines. Yeah. Reference. For the, for, the newbies, for the newbies, he has to be referenced, right? Reference, all, sure. Yeah. But he does not need to be like a mentor that shows up every third scene. Like right. No, and he isn't traditionally in her story anyway. Like she <laughs> operates independently of him for a while in the beginning. Yeah, but, but I... No, I mean like where's Batman... <laughs> at all in the shared universe that they're mm-hmm. that they're doing like well I, I would love both to be around would you see the matt reeves batman and peacemaker i mean that's been i'm very excited about the matt reeves batman I yeah, think, yeah I, I think it looks awesome i loved his last three movies i thought the planet yeah. of the apes movies were fucking fantastic hmm. so although you me. still can't see that bat on the costume it always I don't know why they always go all black with the Batman movie costumes. It makes more sense. Eh. <laughs> I mean, it does if you are actually dressing up as Batman. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I want to see Think. the black and the gray, you know? Nah, I'm okay. And you can see the bat symbol. I, I, I don't think it looked great with when I flecked it and oh, I shot really? away from it. That was my favorite I, version of Batman on screen. I got to tell you. Like, his, I mean, yeah. if we're talking about just that fight sequence, yeah, it was fucking yeah. great. I loved and it. And the costume, I mean. Was, no, I don't. I, I, I think I was just, I, I didn't, he couldn't turn his head, which I think was a regression. And I don't need the cowl to have emotions. He had a fucking mm. brow and a grimace yeah. sculpted into it. I was like, no, I, I think that's silly. Hmm. Not as bad as nipples. No, yeah, no I nipples. mean that's the low point. This is obviously yeah. above that. It's, yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, guys, I think we've oh, yes. stayed our welcome. Let's end, let's end on nipples. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's end on boobies. As I often do. Speaking of boobies, Peacemaker HBO Max every Thursday. Check it out. Cool. Um, so uh, uh, like and subscribe. Write about us in your diary if you like what we've done here. But when you do write about us in our diary, do that thing where you write your name first and then our last name and then your first name and our first name and your last name and stuff. And just like, we'll see what it looks like. Like really test it out. Or hyphenate. Uh, hyphenate yeah. Hyphenate uh, little, little hearts and circles and swirls. We'll like, do a mash book together. Us take both of our names. Oh yeah. No, absolutely. It's, I've, I have tried to change my name twice now from Bartocci, Patey, Patey, Lieb, Lieb, Patey. Yeah. Never, never. Do correct, yeah. I don't know no. why. Yeah. Make it an acronym. LPD. <laughs> 
<laughs> um, thank you for joining us tonight. Don't forget, uh, we are here every Monday night at around 9 p.m. We're going to talk about comics stuff. Email us, cultpopgo at gmail.com. Leave comments. Join the conversation. We're here for our health and sanity, but you might as well get something out of it also. Um, Rob, thank you for joining us this week. Hopefully, it's the first of many. Uh, Brian, um, I love you as a person. Thank you. That's all. Thank you guys for joining us. We'll see you guys later. Thank you. Have a good night. Thanks so much for listening to Spoiler Alert. Check out all our shows, including the Cannibal Horrorcast, where we review classic and contemporary horror. Oh, it's so spooky! And Gutter Talk with the Black Tribbles, recorded live every week at Johnny Destructo's Hero Complex in Nanyang, PA. Yeah. This is